Hello and welcome to Edge of Empire episode 6. I am Michael and uh, I am joined by Graham. Hello! And today we're going to talk about uh, what's been going on in Heresy uh, over the last month, uh, a little bit about Company of Legends, because we've done quite a bit for that and we've had quite a bit happen for that. True enough. And some other stuff. Lots of stuff, actually. It's busier than I thought it was going to be, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is. So um, so we'll start off with new releases. Uh, we'll, yes. we'll have a look at what we're working on at the minute, then we'll see the news that's going on, um, a few of the books that's come out. Um, we've got some questions about rules and gaming, which we're going to talk through, um, especially with uh, um, sort of a bent towards experimental rules. Mm. We're going to talk about recent games that we've been playing and some events that are coming up. Yep. Okay, so shall we uh, crack on with it? action-packed fun evening of heresy chat yeah yeah so should okay. we start off with um new releases yes new releases so um the first uh, new release that we had this month was the sikaran omega tank destroyer we did even though i did question whether we talked about this last week i think what we said was well, last week last month was the rules weren't out where we were speculating so um Whoops. now the rules are out people can have a look at it and it looks pretty good, I think. I mean, it, it, it looks a bit preposterous with those massive plasma cannons, but yeah, I can, I they're, can they're, see a, they're a little big. Mm. But, you know, sometimes big is good. Yeah, um, sorry about that. I was opening a drink and it, uh, it popped there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the guns are a little overcompensating. For something, I feel. But they look very similar, I think. I think they look like the same one, or very similar to the Derrida ones, don't they? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, the plasma, yeah, whatever so, it is, cannonade thing. Yeah, it's an Omega so, plasma array. It's got 24 yeah, so inch 24 range. range. That's next to nothing, though, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a fast tank, remember? I suppose so. Maybe it's just my natural predilection for sitting at the back and shooting things with tanks rather than driving yeah. forward and engaging people too close. But it gets, gets two modes. It, yep. Uh, one which is uh, heavy six, strength seven, AP two, twin linked. Mm. Mm. That's not bad, actually, is it? Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That, that's going to do some damage to a lot of infantry. Uh, well, it you know, is. And I mean, light squads. Yeah, um, it's going to shred. You know, um, non-terminator squads, isn't it? I mean, it's just going to you know demolish things. But I suppose six shots, you're going to be probably hitting. Well, if, if you were rolling sensibly, you'd be hitting on fives. You'd be wounding quite a lot as well. So, you know, you could a fair bit of damage, but it's that 24-inch range bit that, that, that holds me back from this being an instant purchase. Yeah. So what's the other the other mode of fire? Uh, it's called Sustained Burn. It's yeah. heavy one, strength nine, AP two, twin-linked, and gets hot. And it's got a new rule on it called Plasma Burn. Mm -hmm. So if the target is a vehicle... Um, it actually causes more damage, so it can end up losing more hull points. Now, in theory, if you're lucky on your rolls, uh, it will do as many as four hull points worth of damage from that Got one it. shot. Wow. That's not bad for one shot, like. Yeah. Mm, but that's, 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 that's if you're lucky. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it could take out most vehicles. In one shot. Yeah. Yeah, which I suppose is where the tank destroyer aspect of it comes from, but I suppose... I'm trying to think. Yeah, strength seven, small vehicles and stuff. You could probably, you know, side armor of rhinos or predators and stuff. It would be good for that. But the strength nine AP two. Um, I don't know. I think there's better tanks for doing that than 
than that one. I think it's you know you, you, you're right. You're gonna need to move this one around, which is which is quite cool if you've got a fast moving army. So maybe somebody with white scars, for example, would love mm-hmm. this. Um, but traditional tank play would be you know I don't really want to get anywhere near close combat troops. You know I certainly don't want to get within 24 of them. But I suppose like I say 12 inch move and then 24 inch fire. 36 inch kind of threat range isn't it to be yeah. I mean, technical so I wouldn't take it as a tank destroyer mm. but I would take it for small yeah. for, for, for light art for me you know medium armor yep yep fair enough I mean it's definitely got that um, capability but um, I can't I'm, see myself buying one though no me neither I've got to be honest with you I, I don't think given the array of other tanks that there are in that kind of area um, whether this would be the most productive one. I mean, even the the normal Sikarin with the accelerator or cannons, that's same number of shots, same strength. Mm-hmm. Okay, fair enough, they're not AP2, but I don't know how many points this is in comparison to a normal Sikarin, um, whether it's more expensive. Um, I don't know, I didn't check the points to, for this to compare mm-hmm. it. So, rule of call, definitely, because mm-hmm. it does look you know, impressive. I just think it, it looks a it, it flatters to deceive a bit. I don't think it's quite yeah. as effective as all that, but still, it's a Sikarin, which I like, and it looks pretty cool. So there is that going yeah. for it, for sure. Okay, so what else do we have? Uh, we have the Allegius, Legio Custodes Aquilon Terminators with the Infernus Firepikes. Hmm. So we talked about the Aquilon Terminators last month. We did. Because the main ones were out. Yes. And this is sort of the anti-horde weapon. Okay, so I'm assuming the anti-horde aspect is this fire pike business. Yeah, yeah, it's we, like a flame. Do we know what that does? Uh, oh God, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I'll have to. Bit, I'm going to dig out All the right. book now. But it's based. I believe it's like a flamer, a cool flamer. Okay, right. yeah, um, makes sense. But I'm going to pull up my book now. All right. Well, shall I go on to the next one? We do that. We come back to it because I like the next one. It's a it's a charming model. This one, I think, which is the old Imperial um, Avius lighter, which is. One of the most useless pieces of equipment in the entire heresy. No, I don't but know. I still like it for that. <laughs> I guess I, I'm being a slightly harsh. Um, it was kind of it had nothing. It had no guns in it. I think it's got like a heavy bolt or a stub thing, um, a push. And it's uh, but it's good, like you say, for your solar auxiliary um, militia to actually have a flying transport that isn't an assault vehicle. Yeah, I see most people use it to drop storm sections off with mm. the uh, Volkite chargers. Yep. Um, and that that can do some damage. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I think when I had the, had the event in Sunderland, um, I think Chloe had a couple of these, or she had some, um, uh, you know, some, some kit-bashed ones that she'd made us. Yes. From, oh, from Valkyries, but very cool. Um, so, yeah, it was very good for that, like coming on and just throwing down a storm section, you know, 10 guys with Volkite chargers. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty good ballistic skill, these solar auxiliary guys, haven't they? And the Volkite chargers are pretty effective. So, um, is it the storm section? Because there's a flamer version, isn't there, for the solar auxiliary as well? I wonder what, and then there's the power axe version as well, isn't there? Yeah, right. yeah. They're but all yeah. pretty. They're all pretty awesome. It's a charming looking model, though. I think, if I'm honest with you, I think it's um, it's it's a cute little thing. If anything can be cute in the world of heresy, but there you go. Oh, I love it as a model. Yeah. I can't find the rules for the fire pike, you know. Okay, no worries. Um, um, I, it's I'm not at the back. This, you know, the, there's that, my, probably my favourite, not unsurprisingly, my favourite, one of my favourite displays of Warhammer World is the one where they've got the big Imperial Guard um, sort of march past. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, there's one there, like next to the kind of royal box, if you like, which was obviously, you know, for the high inquisitor or whoever it is that's that's on that. There's a little balcony overlooking all of this, like massed imperial guard um, turnout, and I think that's that's quite a cool thing for it, like a you know royalty transport. Yeah, that is a particularly impressive display. I love that display. Well, what I think is very clever about that display, though it's not heresy, we do digress a bit, is I think they've got everything doing like an eyes left, you know, so when mm-hmm. you see march past in the military, you know, eyes left and you turn towards the take the salute or whatever. Yeah. And I think what's very clever about it is that they've got the, the models in sort of various stages of eyes left as they've gone past. Yeah, so yeah. It's like as they're turning towards to give the salute and as they're turning back and the same with the turrets on all the gun mm. and the tanks. Yeah. So I think that's a very cool attention to detail and looks yeah. looks awesome. Yeah. Anyway, I found the rules for the fire pike. It's at the okay. f- it's at the front of the section for the um, okay. thing. Okay, the fire pike pike is a template. Um, strength six, AP six, heavy one with torrent. Okay. Strength six, AP six. Yeah. That's weird, isn't it? It is. That's strange AP. Okay. It hasn't got rending or anything. Just strength six, AP six. Nope. But it's got torrent. So. Well, I suppose that gives you an extra twelve inches, doesn't it? Um, I thought it was going to be like the um, like those horrible Mechanicum ones. No, it's not, uh, not not quite as bad. Yeah. Oh, well, that's something, eh? Yeah. Unusually for the uh, Custodes, it's something that's not quite so bad. I don't hear that sentence too often. No, no, but Strength 6 is still pretty good. Yep, wounding on twos on most things, so, you know, they're going to do a lot of wounds with those if they get up close and personal, and maybe jumping them out of a transport, which does segue rather nicely into our next thing, which is... The Custodis Orion Assault Dropship. Oh, God, yeah, the, the big, big plane. Oh, it looks lovely, this. It does. It does. It's, it's their really Lord like of War it. choice. Mm. It's a really it looks big spectacular. Plane. So go on. Have you, give us a run through the rules for this. Okay, it so looks like it's got all sorts going on. It's got a transport capacity of 24, but a Custodes mm. take up two slots. So it's effectively 12. But it can okay. also call, carry a Custodes Contemptor as well, which takes up to 10 spaces. So you can take a Contemptor and seven Custodes. Okay, right. Got and it's you. an assault vehicle as well. Nice. Uh, it's got two heavy blaze cannons, uh, two twin-linked Lastrum bolt cannons, and two Spiculus bolt launchers, which is a new weapon. It's got a 48-inch range, it's heavy-free, and has rending, which is quite right. good. Um, it's yeah. also got a macro airy strike. Shrike. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Airstrike. Airy strike. Airstrike. Yeah. Uh, which can really mess up things for another army. So it does all the lovely standard stuff like a standard one does. Like messes up your deep strike and adds an extra 1d6 to a barrage weapon. But in addition, the macro okay. one also causes anyone firing interceptor to be able to uh, be unable to fire at it when it arrives. Wow. That is a very useful thing for a flying transport. It is. It's very good. And it's also got a flare shield variant called an eclipse shield, which in addition to the normal goodness of the flare shield, if a shooting attack in the front arc scores a glancing or penetrating hit, uh, it gets it shrouded against any other shooting arcs in the front arc during the same phase. Oh, right. Wow. So if you were jinking, let's say, I'm assuming you would, and you got shot by something that gave you a glancing hit, then the next hits to hit you would be on you'd get a two-plus save. Yeah, you'd have your... Um, shrouding, shrouding, yeah. So that would be... Yeah, I can see that being very good. But it is 
it's a great looking model this year. I really I really do like it. I mean oh, it's a fantastic nice, looking model. Nicely sculpted. It looks it looks imposing. It looks like it's it's doing the right sort of job. Um yeah, really good looking thing. Yeah, I, I was all until I saw the price, I was all I might get that. <laughs> then I saw the price. What is it? It's about two hundred and seventy quid, isn't it? Two hundred and seventy five. So it does get you a free delivery. Well, that's always good. You know, that's <laughs> and it's on a different base size for a flyer. Is it? Yeah. Okay. It actually comes with a base. It isn't like the old uh, Thunderhawk with no base here. It comes with a. It's got a hundred and sixteen millimeter round base. Okay. Wow. Um, and it's got a normal flying stem. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm with you. Which is a bit different. That is different, isn't it? Uh, well, I think that's the same size base as the um, More Crusher comes on, the um, Asia Sigma model. Gotcha. Okay. Um, just trying to think what else goes on it. Nothing that I can that springs to mind. Uh, Magma Dragon, I think, which is okay. another another um, Asia Sigma. No, that that comes on a square base, doesn't it? No, no, it comes on a round base. I'm just checking there. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, it comes on a, the Magma Dragon as well. So it's it's an unusual base size. I did alert my brother to this because obviously he is a custodian player and he, he, he was dreading that day because obviously that means he's now going to have to save up and buy this at some point, he feels. But um, it's a cracking looking model. Like I'd love to see one up close you know, on the battlefield. It's a beautiful model. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, um, weirdly enough, it doesn't come with experimental rules, but we'll come on to that later. No, it doesn't. It doesn't, so, which is uh, different. Hmm. For current releases, so it, it looks like it would be a really, you know, I'm, I don't think there's too. I mean, they can use the nor, the normal kind of transports, can't they? Custodies, you know, they've got. Um, yeah, they've got their um, the, the the tanky looking one. Yes, that's right. The the yes. um, yeah, I, I can't remember mean. the name of it, the custodies yep. one because I, I I'm resisting resisting buying a starting a custodies arm, army. I'm trying to not remember. It's the Cronus. That's it. The the, yeah. Cor- the Coronas Grav Carrier. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so they've got the Coronas as well. Yeah. And as well as that, they can deep strike, I think. They, you, I think getting them onto the battlefield probably is the least of your problems with that particular army. So, um, do you know, but actually, I've never fought against Custodes yet in any way, shape, or form. So, hopefully. I have. But actually, no, I won't do. It's all right. It's not actually as bad as you think. You've just got to... What I did was it when I played my Ultramarines against a, a Custodes army, I basically concentrated on a unit at a time. Right. Um, so poured all the firepower into one unit and then moved on to another unit and then another unit. Got you. Because when they start losing, you know, losing guys, they become very ineffective. Yeah, because they're expensive, aren't they? I mean... Lots of points in, you know, a squad of five is 250 points plus, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. mm, Interesting. So it'd be good. I hope I see one at some point. I would like to see one, play against one. So we shall see. Oh, definitely. I mean, they're, uh, they're a horrid, horrid army to play against because they, they are extremely powerful. Yeah, as you'd expect, you know, given the, you know, what they are, you'd expect exactly that. And I think, I think, I don't know because I haven't played against them. They kind of got the balance right, I think, with that by making them, you know, a, a hard elite army, which is exactly what they should be, you know, and um, <clears throat> a sort of cut above your normal marine, if you like. Yeah, I, I know that uh, I know one player who says that uh, the one army he dreads going up against is uh, is uh, cults of militia because mm. they yeah, just he, they they can just wear them down, just swamp them with bodies, I suppose. Yep. Um, 
Yeah, that would totally work. It's the it? one thing the uh, custodians have had real issues with is, is dealing with uh, dealing with uh, uh, hordes. But now they've got their fire pikes. Yeah, now they've got the fire pikes. They're they, they, they can they can <laughs> do something about it, I suppose. Yeah, so it's a it's not a bad little army. I mean, they've got quite a nice range now. Yeah, they have. They're definitely getting there, aren't they? Yeah, so. I think I think that's them done now. Is it really? Is that everything from the books? Uh, I'm just going to have a quick look at the contents. No, no. Uh, da, 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 da. I can't look at the contents because the contents just list the section. So oh. that's just the silence. I think they're just about done. So, All right. Uh, Valdor. They need Valdor. Oh, yes. And I don't know if they're going to get a generic shield captain model. Right, okay. Because you've got the shield captain that's exclusive from Warhammer World. Right. Um, I asked and hail. Yep. Who I have, and have yet, uh, and I'm, as I said, I'm resisting doing custodies. <laughs> um, Heteron Guard, they're just they're just a variant of the standard. They've got the Aquilan Terminators. They've got the Achilles Dreadnought. Mm. Um, well, the, didn't, I, didn't I see they brought out a new weapon the other day? They haven't brought it out, but they previewed it, so we will touch uh, on that that's later. Right, that's what I said. Yeah, we'll get that when that comes out. Then. They've got the Sentinel Guard squad with a close combat blade. I mean, then again, I suppose you can make the shield captain from a standard custodies sprue. Right. Because you only need three in a squad. Yes, you do. So you get you? five, but you only need three to, to, to have a squad. Make a squad. Yeah. So uh, they've got the Cronus Grav Carrier. Sorry, I'm just looking through the book now. Okay. Um, seeing if there's anything else they need. I don't think there is. Mm. They've got the jet okay. bikes. Lovely jet bikes. Yes, they are nice jet bikes. And the true. Palace Grav Attack. I really like the Palace. Because mm. yep. that is absolutely lovely. Lovely model. They've got some great looking models, I've got to say. Had I the patience for them, I would, I would probably... I'd, I'd probably give them a, give them a whirl at some point, but I've, I've got too many things and I have to draw a line under this crazy hobby at some point. Yeah. They've got the Sagittarium upgrade pack with the bolters. Oh, right, yeah. Although they're, they're of a differing, you know, you've got a, you know, they're of a dubious, uh, you know, usefulness. Yes, yes. Uh, the Calidus Grav Tank, yep. uh, the Contemptor Galatus. Mm. Yeah, that's everything, and they've got two. You know, they've got the oh, Orion yeah. and the Telamon as well. Sure. I wonder so, what will happen now. I wonder what Forge World's releases would be. They've been quite quiet on that. I don't know if you know any more than I do. What they're once they've kind of because I know they were doing. I mean, they've done a lot of custodies, haven't they? They've done a lot of the book yeah. six stuff. Got seven. Sorry, book seven stuff. It's book six or book seven. So they've uh, done all seven. of the um, seven. Yeah. So um, you know, the, all the thousand suns and the custodies and the like and. But not many Space Wolves stuff, or was that, did I just imagine that? No, not, not much Space Wolves stuff. stuff. The only thing they've done for the Space Wolves is they've done the Contemptor. Yeah. They've done the, um, they've done Russ, and they've they've done the oh, the, yeah. the, the torso upgrade kit, but not the heads. Yep. Shoulder pads okay. and the Wolfkin of Russ. Right, okay. So still loads to go for the Wolves yet. Okay, well, maybe we'll see some more releases for them. And then. quite a bit to go for the Sisters. Right, Oh well, we shall see. The sisters need a lot. I, I, I personally think they ought to turn their attention to the sisters now, because you can build the walls out of what you got, you know. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, that is true. I mean, there's plenty of other. You know, you can just get the calf set or something, can you, and make them into space walls without too much bother, I guess. <clears throat> um, 
Yeah. I mean, you'd probably want to wolf them up a bit, however people do that. I don't know. Give them a bit of fur or something. Yeah. So, yeah. So, shall we look at what the current projects we've been working on are? Yes, let's do yeah. that. So, so what have you been doing? Tons, actually. I've had a very busy month. Mm. So, <laughs> as promised, I... I kind of got to the point where I was like, I was collecting all this stuff and buying bits and bobs off people and things. And I was like, yeah, I've got to start. <laughs> it's, it's all about buying stuff. You need to actually put it together and paint it. Yeah. So I've, I've been um, quite rigorous in what I've been doing. So I've said, right, I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to stop all of my projects that I've got half done and I'm going to concentrate on my world eaters. So that's what I've been painting up this month so but it's a it's a long old task actually because i've just realized that i've bought quite a lot of stuff more than (laughs) i anticipated yeah i've done that for armies before i've now got like a massive backlog of things to paint so and the paint scheme it takes a bit of time unfortunately it's not my normal you know uh quick slapdash batch paint process there's a a, it actually requires a bit of skill and effort because i'm using white which i hate Mm -hmm. Um, and painting white with other colours, which is also an absolutely hateful experience. But so far... I don't think they look uh, quite good so far. They look all right. I mean, my classic... They could look kind of pretty grimdark, which is which is fine. That's kind of the look that I go for with most of my armies. So they're not going to win any beauty contests. But um, So so far I've painted the Moritat. So yep. I've got him painted. Uh, I've painted uh, one... Praetor with a chain fist, mm-hmm. um, and I've painted another Praetor with a Paragon blade from the. Um, I think it's like with the Centurion set. The one comes with um, power arm with Artisifer armor, and the other one comes with. Um, oh, the Cataphracti armor, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm using yeah. the Cataphracti armor one um, for like another HQ one. choice. So I've got my sort of three HQ choices there. It's a great model, actually. Nice to paint that. Um, and I've basically got, I mean, I've got a ton of stuff, so I'm concentrating on getting all the Terminators painted, which I've got loads of. I think I've got about 20 plus, <laughs> and I've done five. So I've undercoated them all with um, uh, one of the Tamiya colours. It's like it's quite a nice, sort of almost like Orthern grey mm-hmm. undercoat, so that's pretty good. Um, I've been, so I've got them all undercoated. I've got one full squad painted now, so I'm pleased about that. Yeah. Um, and I've got loads of other stuff currently uh, in various bits I've got a squad with um, missile launchers mm-hmm. a little bit further along than undercoated yeah uh, I've got like I said Terminators to paint I've got three Dreadclaw drop pods to paint I've got a um, Cestus assault ram to paint yeah um, and what else have I got a rhino two rhinos to paint and I haven't even started on my bloody any non-terminated troops yet so i want to try and get a core base done i've got four mm-hmm. four dreadnoughts to paint as well and i've also re-sprayed <clears throat> my typhon because i never used it for my arm warriors so i thought well i'm gonna i'm gonna paint this up in um world eaters color so they've got yeah. a big tank if we ever play a big game so so yeah lots of stuff but i've had to put all of that on hold because we're going to this event in november Mm-hmm. And I realised that I've wanted to take some Iron Havocs with Laz Cannons, and I haven't painted any. Ah. So that's what I'm currently busy painting. So that's what I'm working on this week. I see. What about yourself? Um, oh, well, I haven't done quite as much as you. Uh, I've done... Well, I've been so thinking about... pretty busy. I've been... Th- well, not all with heresy stuff. Okay, yeah, true. Um, 
I've been thinking about doing Armies on Parade this year again. Okay. Uh, and I sort of had this idea of doing my breaches for it. Yes. So I have... <clears throat> Sorry. So I finished off a Breacher Seed Squad. I painted that up. Yep. Which was uh, quite good. Um, and I did a Morris hat at the same time. Right. So... Um, so they, they were from my Ultramarines. And mm. I also painted a Space Wolves Leviathan. Really? Uh, yes, I saw that. That looked fantastic. Which is all right. Yeah, it looks great. I like great. it. Um, mm. My third Leviathan. Mm. I love Leviathans. <laughs> I know, you know, they're, they're a bit OP, but... <laughs> I don't think so. Then There are a lot of points. I mean, the thing about Leviathans, I always think, is that once you kind of put um, Armored Ceramite on them, and some weapons on them. They're, they're coming in at about 320 to 340 points. Yeah. 350, if you give them the uh, plasma discharge thing, which is mm -hmm. pretty useful. Yeah, the Phosphax discharger. Yeah, yeah. Phosphax, that's what it is. Um, but actually, you can take a Knight Gallant for the same cost. Mm -hmm. Well, and this so, one... So, so I don't think they're overpowered in that regard. I think mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're, 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 they're well-priced well for what they do. Well, on this one, I've given it a Cyclonic Melter Lance. Yes. Um, uh, a siege drill mm. and the two Volkite uh, yes. chargers. Yeah. Sorry, culverins. Uh, culverins, yes. Yeah, I wanted to be a bit of a mix between a shooty and a, uh, a, yeah, a, it, and a and a salty. It's always a thing, isn't it? Because you either do one... Th well, with those, you can either have to do one thing well, i.e. shooting, so you can give them the, um, the storm cannon I quite like on them because it's lots of shots. Mm -hmm. Uh and like say the the melter launch or the um, the grav bombardment thing, yeah. Um, or you give them you know siege claw and um, siege drill, and have them as a close combat monster to sort of take out anything that gets a bit too close to you. Yeah, yeah. Protected, uh, my two ultramarine ones are set up like that. One's an assault. One's a one's a, a melee one, melee one, and one's a, a shooty one. So it's a difficult thing, isn't it, to work out which is the best? And I think giving you options with that. Um, it's you know magnetizing the, the the claws or blue tackle them as I do. Um, it's definitely the way forward, I think, because they, they can be they're a versatile unit in that regard. Yeah, I need to get better at magnetizing. Yes. Yeah. On yeah. In terms of building stuff, I'm just gonna grab the box here because I can. I'm forgetting. Grab me box of stuff that needs undercoating. <laughs> what have I done? Real mishmash of stuff in here, actually. Uh, Yavara for town. Ah, here we go. Uh, I did a. Um, uh, ooh, what's happened there? Uh, Land Raider uh, pr uh, Proteus. All oh, right. To go with the breaches. Oh, nice. I like the Proteus. Yeah, it's it's a lovely model. Lovely model. Mm. One of my favourites. Um, although I hate the the tracks because they don't quite fit. Ah, so you have to do chestnut. Yeah, so you have to do a, a funny thing there. Um, and I've done. Oh, okay, there we go. I got my um, Praetor model from. Um, well, not Praetor. My board. My Mark III boarding marine model um, from 2011. I finally dug it out, and he's going to be a Praetor. Oh yeah. Ah, oh, nice. He's going to be a Praetor for my boarding force. Got ya. Oh, that'd be cool. So uh, I, I dug him out. Took a while to find him. But he's quite a nice model. Yeah. And then I also did a uh, 
Breacher, uh, not, not, not Breacher, a Volkite Charger Support Squad. Right. Because you convinced right. me a while ago that a Volkite Charger this. Squad was yeah. just as good, if not better in some situations, than a, um, uh, than a, a Volkite uh, Covering Covering, squad. yes. Yes, indeed. See, what I like about the Charger is it's an assault weapon. So you're not getting that penalty, and you can put them in a rhino, and they can drive up, jump out, and unleash a fairly significant, um, you know, barrage of weaponry that has the chance to do even more wounds. So yeah, I think they're I think they're worthwhile. Well, I did ten of them. Yeah, good choice. And I've done them in Mark II armor. Yeah, I, I remember you talking about this um, the other day, and I thought, what a good idea that is. Yeah, because obviously so, at the beginning of the crusade yes. they were all armed with Volkites chargers and they all wore Mark II armour. So it's sort of my way of doing a um, a retro squad, as it were. Yeah, I think that's a cracking idea, that like. I really like that. I was like, oh, I wish I'd done that. Because you're right, it, it gives it a bit of it's like gives it a bit of extra flavour there. It's like yes, they're an older armor with older weapons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my thinking was when I was building them, they're, uh, you know, they're a, a lucky talisman. You know, they're a, a squad that's never changed yeah. since the earliest days of the Crusade. Yeah, what a cracking idea that is. So pop them in a rhino. Yep. And send them out, and uh, they'll, yeah, they'll do some good. Good stuff. Yeah, good idea on that one. I, I was very impressed with that. It's cracking. I bet they're going to look great as well. So what? So what's your armies of parade? You're still going to do the all of this as part of your armies of parade? In, sorry, what was the... Is that in Space Force colours? Are you doing... Uh, these, it'll be Ultramarine Breachers. Ultramarines, right, got you. Yeah. All right, they'll look good. So, because uh, I've got... The Ultramarines look, look good with shields. You know, all, yeah. uh, the whole Roman theme. So I was thinking... Totally. That the free yeah. breachers, the, my free Breacher squads, which are now fully painted. The yep. two Land Raiders and uh, uh, Sarastas nice. Assault Ram. Cool. Uh, led by the Praetor in the... Um, with a shield. So you're going to do it in some kind of cool diet? Do you, do you have to, is this where you get like a 24 by 24 inch base and you've got to kind of... Yeah, when you do the board. Well, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to go into the kind of... Um, I'm going to build a, a, a yeah. huge board. I'm just going to take some serenity that I've got at home and got use my, a realm of yeah. battle board that I've got at home. Yeah. yeah. And nice put one. them on there because I can't afford to. <laughs> and I, I, well, I, I don't have the storage space. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing is, you're kind of wiping out a 24 by 24 inch section or something that you're probably not going to use too often. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, that'd be great. I hope, wish you all the best with that, mate. Cause that, but, I know that's going to look brilliant. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping I'll have the uh, the the Breacher team ready for Blood and Glory because although I'm not playing, Dan has asked me to bring an army just in case he has to drop out. Got you. So, I'll be taking them. Yes. Is the plan. Good stuff. Very cool. Oh, very busy. Very yeah. busy. That's busier Sack. than I thought. But I've done a lot of other stuff, like Tau and uh, Blood Ravens and stuff, so... Yes, I've seen all those too. Yeah. So, shall we move on to what's going on with the news? Yeah, let's go quick over to the news desk then. Yeah. So, it's been quiet. Not a lot going on, really. <laughs> yes, I think that's probably about as much news as we have. Yeah. So, uh yeah, Forge Worlds have been quite quiet uh, of late the past uh, few months. They used to do a preview every Monday, and now we're lucky to get it every, you know, we're lucky to get one. 
Um, they've done two, though, in the past month. Right. Okay. Uh, they showed off some Demios uh, Rhino doors. Yes. I don't know if you saw saw those. Uh, I think I did, yeah. Is yeah. this for the side doors on the, on the Demios Rhino? Yeah, they showed off... The ones on the showed off on the community site were ones for Dark Angels and Blood Angels. Right. But at the war, at the Forge World Open Day, they did have Sons of Horus and Iron Warrior ones. Okay. They also showed off doors for Repulsors as well. But they're, you know, not heresy, so... No. no. That's weird, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's one of those frustrating things, isn't it? It's like, you've got your... I've got about four Demos bloody rhinos now, and it's like, ah, oh, damn. I don't know they're going to make doors for them. But, silly me. I just put transfers on my Demios rhinos. Yeah. But it'd be nice, you know, if they had them, but... Yeah, I'm not all that bothered about that it. Level crazy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's expensive as well, isn't it, when you put bloody doors on things and you've probably paid for the rhino again. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes. Yes, yeah. I mean, Ultramarines, it's easy to do that because you also got they've also got a uh, back door as well. So I've been. So it's been said. Yeah, I, I put that on my command rhino. Okay. But not on oh, my right. any other specific one. Ultramarines back door on the... Um, on the command line, I didn't know that. I had a specific one. So there we go. Yeah. Um, and then the other preview you had, what you mentioned earlier. Yes. Jumping the gun. Yeah, it was the Elastus Accelerator Culverin for the Telamon Heavy Dreadnought. Don't know what that does, but it sounds painful, because that Telamon Heavy Dreadnought is a big thing, isn't it? It's yeah, a, it's a big... It's a, Le, it's a Leviathan kind of equivalent, isn't it? Bigger than a Leviathan. Is it? Yeah, it's bigger oh. than a Leviathan. Um, and it's the same mountain weapon that they have on the Kaladas grab tank. Gotcha. So it fires, as the description says, infantry shredding heliothermic bolt shells. Right. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> but it looks... They've got a picture of it attached to the, the Dreadnought, and it looks really good. Yeah. Um, it does look good, like I've got to say. That just makes that, kind of makes that model look, look even better. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice model. Um it is. I said that there's so much that tempts me into uh <laughs> in, in, into starting custodies, but uh The more we talk, the more I can see that you've already got a shopping cart specifically for your custodies army that should that lottery win come through, you'll just click on that and everything will be delivered within ten working days or whatever. Uh no, I've got to get a bigger house first. <laughs> yeah, the girls have already said, you know, if you want another army you've got to get rid of an army. Oh, you're on. Yeah, and yeah. I'm looking at the Tyranids that are unbuilt, and I'm thinking, do I need Tyranids? Do you need? Yeah, who needs them? Yes, when you could have lovely custodies, complete with Forge World, incredibly expensive prices. Oh, I know, I know. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, and then the other thing you wanted to mention was uh, experimental rules. But should we do this in the? Uh, yeah, let's that... do it in the um, the sort of gaming rules thing. So yeah, it yeah. probably fits better in there. Okay. Uh, but there was one big bit of news that happened this month. Go on. Um, the book writers had their final meeting together where they planned out the end of the book series. There's an end? Don't tell me what happens at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. They uh, they got, they gathered them all up in Nottingham uh, to talk to talk through the end um and they had there there was most of the writers who were still working on the series you had dan abnett james swallow aaron dembski bowden gray mcneil gav Forp, chris rort uh and a few others galaxy of stars that must have been some meeting like i'd love to have been a fly on the wall on that one. Oh, definitely definitely 
Definitely. That must be so interesting to do that. Just imagine that as your day job. What are you doing today? Well, I'm just going to, um, you know, help with a meeting in, at work. Oh yeah, who's that with? Everybody who wrote the Horus Heresy books. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's uh, it's going to be a, it's going to be sad to see it end. It is, but I guess um, all things must end. But um, <clears throat> it was interesting because when we were sort of a bit about um, Company of Legends, we were looking at timelines, and uh, our sort of chief plot writer Adam. Um, sent through a a really cool thing that I think they'd done at Warhammer World once, which actually showed the timeline of all the heresy stuff and when mm-hmm. it all took place, which was really interesting. Actually. Yeah, so from the um, I'm guessing these would the open day in the blank seminars. Bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's uh, yeah, it was a uh, obviously they they put up the thing on the the Warhammer community and it was you know it was obviously a bit of a oh his ending it's got to end. It must be very difficult because everybody knows the ending. So you're kind of writing a story that everybody knows. There's going to be no surprises like, hey, Horus is alive, really, because, you know, they can't break canon. So it must be quite difficult, I suppose, to retell. If you're talking about the last book, you know, the Siege yeah. of Terror, the, well, it depends you know, the how much of the Barge. It depends how much influence Laurie Goulding was able to have on things. Okay. Because uh, he, he was a bit of a knob, <laughs> the former, <laughs> the former uh, managing yeah. editor of the series. Okay. So... Mm. He always used to. He, he always used. I uh, was just a bit. Of, he was just a bit of a. Always used to try and antagonize fans. Really? Yeah, because okay. you know the popular yeah. the popular theory that the Blood Ravens come from the come from the uh, um, uh, Thousand Suns. Yes. And he was always like poo pooing on fan theories. Oh, I see like, what you mean. Purposely going out of his way to find people who are talking about fan theories, <laughs> and then saying, "Nah, I know what the real story is." But I'm not telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, so... <laughs> wow. He must love his job. Well, he got... F- he, uh, sorry. I was going to say he got fired, but he didn't get fired. He left. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So... He left, and then suddenly all, uh, and then suddenly the authors started handing in more books. Bizarre. Yes. Just, could be just schedules. <laughs> you know more on that before we end up in some court case. Oh, no, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just, just the rumours. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, it must have been a fantastic thing to you know, rock up to Warhammer World and have that meeting. And, but like I said, it must be difficult as an author to, to write a story that's been written so many times and put a different slant on it. Yeah, well, because everybody's going to know, I mean, even me, who isn't, let's be honest, the the most knowledgeable of, of uh, heresy fluff. Um, even I know pretty much the sequence of events that took place and, you know, where which legions were there, which legions weren't, and all the rest of it. So I guess it's, you know, different from writing a story about a you know, high-level campaign or something where you can be, you know, fairly fast and loose with things because it's your, you know, you're creating the narrative as a writer. But something like that that's been written about so many times in White Dwarf and in other publications, the Siege of Terror, you know, the final battle between, let's just say, good and evil, um, how would you make that different? I suppose that's why they're authors and I'm not. Well, I was at Octocon last weekend and Dan Abnett was the guest of honour there. Mm-hmm. And someone did ask a similar question, specifically, you know, they asked about, so what kind of brief did you get with Horus Rising, you know, because we all know the story. So how did they sell the book to, you know, how did they sort of explain how you're supposed to write the book? And his answer was to do exactly the opposite of everything in in 40 K. Right. Okay. And then it was told basically use your imagination and, you know, build it up. Yeah. You know, because you definitely got that sense from Horus rising in the first book 
a, a sense that a foreboding of things going on around the periphery that you know you know you, you can you look at it you think oh i know what happens next and how this all kind of kicks off um you know but going from that kind of golden age of the last vestiges of the of the crusade and slowly turning to sort of jaded rebellion is it's a good book i like i like that book actually yeah and it is if you think about it it is pretty much the opposite of what 40k is you know it's a time of you know they're all atheists they're all um Mm. very noble it's all very bright um and horus is an honorable good guy i liked that about that That was i think that was the most interesting thing about that book was the the whole idea of the original imperial truth that kind of secular belief that that there is nothing supernatural anywhere that it's just science that there's no forces of darkness or good or evil it's just humans and just humanity and Mm -hmm. That you know the the light of the emperor is a fact. Just bringing that truth to people to stop them from you know worshiping demigods and yeah. you know looking at that sort of thing. And then for that to be actually a complete lie. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert! But you know it, it's uh, it's really good. And, and, I, and I think that was the thing that really when I read the book that I found really the most interesting. That whole thing about you know the the crusade being based on we're bringing you know truth and science and secularization to a, a universe that's full of um, superstition. So, and then yeah, when really you, good idea that. Yeah, and then when you compare it to what the universe is actually like in in forty k, yeah. it's yeah. a complete turnaround. You know, it's well, a or, or, it's a superstitious even, place. Yeah, totally. Or even in the fact that actually, all of the stuff around you know where they find the first kind of demons and stuff, you know, was all was known. You know, Horus knew about it, and the Emperor knew about it, and one assumes the Primarchs must have known about it in some form. Certainly, Magnus must have done. So, and then, because I think there's, is that the one with, um, you know, where, where where they go to that sort of underground thing? With, I think Loken's there, and um, oh yeah, well, the Fanes. One of the, one of the, yeah, one of the Marines gets taken over by this possessed by this demonic entity. Yeah, and it, it's it's, a, it's an utter shocker for them. You know, this like brought up on the fact that there is no there's no afterlife there's no kind of warp based entities there's just the truth mm-hmm. and then to be faced with the realization that, that isn't the case yeah you, know, you can see why it, it does add some credence to why the rebellion happened in the first place so that's why dan adnett is a great writer and I, like i said i'm not <laughs> well i'm certainly not either so but yeah that's the that's the big bit of news mm. the series is coming to an end got you and uh, you know all sad i guess so i mean it's gonna be interesting to fill in some of the gaps i suppose you know like the mars stuff i'd be quite interested in reading that though i'm not a mechanicum fan particularly i'd be interested to see how you know what happened on that planet and you know how you know how the siege of terror went about particularly the iron warriors who were there and you know what they did and you know did did perturabo's ego get the better of him as he tried to you know yeah. smash down the defenses well the 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 well, the word is, and I, I can't remember, but I think it was at one of the weekenders, um, they mentioned that once once they're done with heresy, they're going to move on to scouring. Okay, so this is the post-heresy world of yeah, where, what happened next. Where the, where the loyalists went through the, the worlds that were, uh, you know, the worlds that were left, uh, you know, as, and chased the uh, the heretics into the, the Eye of Terror. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be an interesting thing as well. Cause probably not that much. I don't know if there is, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot much written about that. So that will be interesting. Yeah. So I mean, you know, there's a little bits in the here, here written 
written in the um, build up to it, but not much. Got you. So, just uh, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting, interesting, you know, how they how they end it. Got you. Um, right. So that that yeah, that was the biggest bit of news heresy wise. Mm. Um, so what else happened? That was that was pretty much it. Yeah, I think that's kind of it for for the news. Yeah. So go on then, onto your book, Michael's Book Club. Oh yeah, because I've managed to do free that we got free reviews this you month. I've knocked it out of the park this 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 month. Well, I was I hadn't done Crimson King last month, so okay, fair play. I finally did it this month. It, it, my, I was having a lot of headaches and time, so yeah, um, it, it was a bit difficult to get around, especially as it's a really really multi layered book. Yep. Um, you know the you know when you're dealing with the Thousand Suns, everything's a bit more. Yes. Complex. There is always that. They do like to make things difficult for themselves. Yeah. So this was uh, Crimson King. I actually listened to it in audiobook as well as reading it. For the double whammy. So uh, I've done it twice because it's a a lot to take in. It's a lot to take in. So you kind of get an update on what the Thousand Sons are up to since they moved to the planet of Sorcerers. And it introduces characters to the heresy that um, were previously in uh, John French's Araman series. Right. So Ignis, uh, in particular, comes in, um, and you sort of see the beginnings of some of the relationships in that that, that they have in those books. And hey, actually, you know, there's the, the, some relationships and how they ended up in those books sort of has an impact in this one. Oh yeah. Because obviously, you get to see the beginnings of those relationships or where they were in the very early days. Right. Um, so. We start to see the Thousand Sons move from what they were when we first met them in A Thousand Sons, and what yep. they eventually became in the Araman series. So it's sort of like a missing link in the evolution, right? Okay. Um, and there are basically three threads to the book. In one, you've got Araman and his gang; they're looking to receive shards of Magnus's soul, right? So you know we've 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 encountered the shard theory in um in the uh, oh, I can't remember what the book it book it was called. It was in um. The book with uh, uh, the Blood Raven, um, the Thousand Sun, um, who I can't remember what he's called, that, that was with the White Scars. It was a short You're story. Me. No idea. Yeah, there was a short story with him okay. on, on Mars where they uh, did some okay. magic with, with, with a Shard of Magnus. Um, wow. And it's also sort of something that gets explored in, um, in the Araman series. Right. Um, so basically, Araman and his gang want to put him back together and restore his glory. Of course. Uh, you've got Aim. Amon, who remains at Amon, not Amon, Amon, yep. <laughs> who remains at Magnus's side, and he explores the shell that Lehman Russ left when he shattered Magnus's spine. Yes. And then we've got some Imperial characters who are trying to stop Araman from, gather, from ga- gathering the soul shards together. Right. It's a really, really big story, um, and it continues the, the story of characters from the Thousand Suns, but we also get Yagas, uh, Yasu Nagasema, who, who was from the Outcast Dead, who was in? Okay. Who's an interesting character in himself, um, and uh, it's nice to get to get back with him again and see what he's up to. But we so also where is get... he from? Is he White Scars? Uh, no, Sounds he's like a uh, uh, he's um, oh, he's sort of an assassiny type person, but he's not okay. an assassin. Um, he's uh, a Japanese hunter, as it were. Right. Got you. Um, he was the guy that the uh, that uh, that uh, was assigned by. Um, Malkador to find the outcast dead who escaped in that book. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And he led the capture of the um, uh, he led the capture of the Crusader host. 
Right. At um, at the beginning of the heresy. Okay. Um, and you also get Lucius as well. Okay. Um, who's running around with... Um, the Eternal. Yeah, Lucius the Eternal, who's running around with um, Thousand Sons for some bizarre reason. Okay. Um, which is a bit interesting. You don't really get explained why. I mean, it, it's from another book, but you don't really get explained why he's around, you know, and why he's bothering to stay around. Yeah. He's just there. Well, see, is it, what legion is he from? Is he from the I'm trying to think. Emperor's he? children. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Okay. But he hangs around. Because why not? Yeah. Okay. Um, so basically, the, the book itself, it pulls together quite a few threads from the series. And I think... It's not a book that you can just pick up. You've got to be familiar, I think, with right. other books in the series as well. It sounds like, because you've quoted about six books there, just for the first paragraphs. So. Well, a lot of it is Graham McNeil's work. Right. Um, so it's a lot of characters that he's that he's explored specifically. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's you do need, I think, a, a bit of a deeper understanding of of the heresy series in order to, to, to really get this book. So not for the casual reader. No, no, no. It's very much a continuation of several different story threads. And as I said, I think you need to, you need to have be up to date with the heresy Ooh, okay. um, for this book, which is quite a few books. It's, it's not one that I think the casual reader can pick up. Yeah. It doesn't sound like it. I mean, no. It sounds good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it sounds super interesting. And I like the characters. I like Araman, for example. I think he's fantastic in, um, the Thousand Sons book, uh, you know, and, and I like the Thousand Sons. There's, a, there's an aspect of humanity in the Thousand Sons that I, that I really like. They, they feel very human for Space Marines, mm-hmm. as I've probably mentioned previously. So, yeah. But this doesn't sound like a book that, without reading a lot of other things, I would be able to kind of get my head around. Yeah, and it, it's a good book as well because it also kicks into some of the history of uh, other parts of the Imperium. So if you're familiar with the uh, Inquisitor, uh, sorry, Dark Heresy RPG. And the Inquisitor I've heard game, of it, but I've never done it. there are sort of well, the, the the Dark Heresy is sort of an RPG, um, yeah. set around set with Inquisitors, yes. uh, basically. And the Inquisitor game as well. There's some there's some threads yeah. that uh, some history in here that sort okay. of um, directly you know influence the fluff that was in there. Oh right. So it's sort of like uh, there's some characters in there who go on to play an important role um, in the future and are featured in those games. Well, not oh, featured cool. in those games, but in the back backdrop of those games. Yeah, got you. So, it, there's you know, it, it's quite dark. It's a quite a dark book, uh, as well. Um, got loads of psychic shenanigans that happen. Right. And it's quite satisfying. It ties up a few loose ends, um, mm. and it sets the stage for what comes next for the Thousand Sons. Really. I like that about Graham McNeil. Is it Graham McNeil who wrote this? Yeah, Graham McNeil wrote this. This yeah, one he's... took years to write. He knows how to make an ending, though. I like that about him. You know, you always feel like when you finish one of his books, right? Okay, that's cool. That made sense. Yeah, I mean, I had to read it. Twi- I had to, you know, listen to the audio book as well. But I, I was having some brain issues, so you know, that, that's okay. my excuse. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's it, there's a lot of there's a lot. You get a lot of conclusion out of this. Cool. Um, Very good. Yeah. So the other book that I'm going to touch on now, it, well, it isn't a book. It's an audio drama. It's Black Shields: The False War. Hold on two seconds. It's a what now? Audio drama. So, as opposed to an audio book, this is because yeah. there's it's like a, somebody it's, not narrating it, it's like a play. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like a play. There's still a narrator. 
right. But it's more like the archers. The archers in space. Yeah. I suppose Sold. that's a Sold. That's one way of describing it. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it's not the black shields themselves haven't had a lot of coverage in the books. No, so no. Uh, it's a good and it's a good one. And we get a bunch of marines that are opposed to Horus, but they're not fighting with the Imperium, and yeah. they're trying to not become pirates that are other that the black shields are seen as. So, for for our listeners who may not be massively familiar with the heresy, it, and me, obviously being the man of no uh, narrative background whatsoever, pretty much. So black shields are either can they, they can be either, can't they? They can either be people who like your ultramarines, for example, who said, "Right, I've had enough of being an ultramarine. I've, you know, been lied to all these years. I'm off to forge my own path in the universe, but I'm yeah. still going to be essentially good." Mm-hmm. Or you could also be the same from a sort of renegade traitor band, or a renegade traitor band that's fighting against Horus. So it's kind of basically anybody who is who is effectively outside the chain of command would that be a reasonable assumption yeah so they're, they're, they're not they're not necessarily the traitor they're not necessarily traitors they're not necessarily loyalists yes. um sometimes they're fighting for their own sometimes they're you know they're space pirates mm. um which is an interesting concept yeah. um and yeah they're they're, they're 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 just a little bit different yeah, um, you know the, the there's the black shields use different weaponry. You know they 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 they're willing to use stuff that from the Xenos weaponry. Um, there are quite little cool units. You don't see many people playing them. No, I think the rules are quite um, tricksy, aren't they? Because obviously you not haven't got the you know resources that you'd have as a Imperium or Heresy uh, Horus player, have you? Because you know the fluff wise, they wouldn't have you know huge stocks of. Sakarian tanks, for example, booting about. Yeah, yeah, they got. They're, they're quite limited in their rules. Yeah. Um, so go on. Sorry. So the book is. Uh, it's a really good book. Uh, well, audio drama, um, and you've got these marines um, f- who follow Endred Ha, um, who's a former world eater, and he's in book six retribution. He's a character in there. Right. And the book is cool because you got a lot of um, conflict within him about his identity. You know. Um, some of the other characters refer to him as the Warhound, which okay. peeves him off. Right. Um, plus, he's as hard as nails. Okay. So that's always cool. You know, he's a for, he's a former world world eater, but he hasn't had the um, butcher's nails in. Right. Okay. Um, so it's quite cool. Uh, yeah. And we also get to see an Ordinatus in action. That is the massive um, Mechanicum tank of doom, isn't it? The one it with is. The, that's about four hundred foot long and looks like a weird 1950s television array yeah but it's it's cool it's cool to actually see it in action um because yeah. you know we've not really had them featured in the uh stuff oh. before um and there's an assassin in there for good measure as well every story needs one um but it get it gives you an insight into how horus is winning over the forge world right uh forge worlds which is yeah interesting um, because obviously we, we've seen a bit in how he's winning over other worlds with threats and stuff. That this yeah. is one where he's, you know, he he wants them to come to his side, so he's being more f- nicer, right? As okay, it were, with you. Um, and offering them what they want. Yeah. Plus, you kind of ah. see how the how that the, for a black shield's warlord, they have to be pretty brutal to maintain control. I could imagine because obviously the know. chain of command has kind of yes, absolutely isn't there so much anymore. Yeah, that must be. Oh, well, do you know what? You you've sold me on that one. I think that sounds like an interesting listen. 
archers or not. So yeah, it's, it's only about work. an it's a little bit over an hour. Oh well, there you go. It's a journey to and from work for me. Yeah. So cool. it's 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 a, it's it's a good one. They they do they do make some good audio dramas. I didn't um, even know they made them. How ignorant am I? There's a few other audio dramas out there as well. Uh, Red Marked is one. I'm just trying to think of any others. There are quite a few audio dramas out there. Cool. So it's you know where they where they do more. There's a lot of sound effects and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's quite Good a few, stuff. There's quite a few little audio dramas out there. Little stories. They do eventually get put into text, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Red Marked is hmm. one. Um, what's that one with the? Uh, there's one with uh, that's on Calf with a Titan fighting in the background. Honor to the Dead. Okay. So yeah, there's there's a few audio dramas and I Alrighty. most of them are pretty good. I'll give that one a go. Yeah, I, I highly recommend it. No, um right. oh binary binary succession, that's another audio drama, and that's a really good audio drama. Was that one with the awesome front cover where this like got this massive war lord? no imperator titan sort of speaking to somebody yeah yeah and as they described it as the black library weekend of last year and it and it is the best description i've heard of it it's brexit with titans oh that's right i remember you talking about this one. Oh, i didn't that was an audio drama i thought it was a book okay cool yeah audio drama although i suspect it's coming out as a book right because they've pre- someone has found a cover of um of something uh, a, a book that has been edited by Laurie Goulding, so it must have been one of the last things he did before he left. And I'm just trying to think what I can't remember what it's called. Um, I will just try and find it now. I was going to put it up. Right. It has got a, this is one, this is the one of the coolest, one of the really cool and iconic um, painting I think from the Warhammer universe, which is this one with this massive. Titans kind of yeah, yeah, it's, you've seen it then. It's got the two Titans, it's got yeah. the Imperator and the uh, Warlord Titan on it. Um, it. It's not in the Black Library group. I know Garrow shared it because we all love Garrow. Um, Garrow shared it earlier, and it's a very good, very good. I'm just trying to remember the name of it. Uh, Trying to remember the name of it. Mm. Burden of Loyalty. That was it. Okay. Well, that looks very good because you, yeah, you've okay. got you've got the you've got the warlord, and you see exactly how big an imperator is. You know, if you, if you've seen a warlord titan, you'll now know exactly yes. how big a an imperator is. Imperator is like twice the size. Yeah, I mean that's the one with the big city on the back, isn't it? The imperator. Yeah, like, yeah, bits yeah. Of cathedral hanging off it. And, Literally has a huge, great big city on it, and it is huge compared to a warlord. I just so I suspect the binary succession is going to be in that book. Got it. Okay, so we have one other book this month, which I managed to read. If we'd recorded Mm. last week as planned, I would not have finished. I would have been only part way through it. But it's Lorgar, bearer of the word. Okay, Uh, which is a really good book. It's an excellent. Excellent, really. I mean, Gal thought when he was talking about it, described it as a mix between Mad Max, Dune, and the rise of Lutherism. Wow, and there's a heady cocktail. And it does actually come across like that quite does quite cool. Really? Yeah, yeah. You've got sort of like, um, uh, you've got these sort of uh, devotional rigs um, going through the desert um, okay. with uh, different preachers and stuff on it. 
I'm just putting some right. stuff away in the bag if you can hear a little bit of noise. Yeah. I've been cutting up a sprue of, of bits, which I don't need. Right. So, okay, so like Perserabo, it's a very much an origin story yep. um, that we haven't seen yet. And it's quite different to the rest of the books in the series um, because it's actually presented in a form of verses. It's very similar to a Bible. Oh, my God. Which is quite interesting so you know you've got what you, you've got book three uh chapter four section five okay got you. so it's very interesting very short sharp sort of sort of verses as it were um yeah. it's a nice touch really and yeah. it, instead of featuring any any sort of viewpoint of Lorgar himself it's told entirely from the point of view of corferon and another character um who we've not met before a slave called nairo right um and they both sort of want different things from lorgar right um you know they 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 they've both sort of identified this as this the golden child and uh they're both wanting to essentially use him in a way for their own purposes um which is which is interesting and it what is also interesting is you get to see the rapid growth of a primarch very much you know um uh, especially in terms of the physical growth, you know, how quickly they grow to manhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and Gafforp does a really great job in bringing cultures to life. So, right. it gets a lot of background, you know, it, it goes into a lot of detail to describe its day cycle, which is very different to um, mm. to what we'd be used to, you know, living on Earth and that. Yeah. Um, and you can tell he's done a load of research for this book. It can be a little bit uncomfortable when you're reading it, actually, because the relationship, really? yeah, because the relationship between Lorgar and Corferon Cor is extremely abusive, um, and that relationship forms the core of the book. So it gives it a very personal feel. So it's like Corferon is very, very abusive towards Lorgar as he's growing up, right? So you know, both mentally and physically. Got you. So we know he's a you know a complete and utter twat. Yes, in, 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 the, in the fluff, and it's sort of like <laughs> yes. you see growing up, and you're thinking, "Oh my god, this is how he treat you know his son." Yeah, yeah. So, um, it, uh, okay, yeah. So it's presented as three parts, and you get brief interludes, which are set during the Great Crusade. Right. But the book focuses on the most part on the development of Lorgar's character with very little action. Mm. Uh, the first two parts are all about the world building around Lorgar and Colchis, and it focuses yeah. on the development of the father-son relationship between Got him yeah. and Corferon. And then so the third part sort of ramps up. Sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry, go on. Just for those of us who haven't read the law. Anyway, so just to give me a... Without any spoilers, obviously. Does, so when Lorgar goes to this world, you know, being spread to the four corners of the galaxy... Yeah. Care Farron basically brings him up as his own son, does he? Yeah, Cor Farron, uh, Farron uh, brings him up as his own son. Gotcha. Um, okay. He sort of takes him in as a... He sort of takes him in and... and Lorgar sort of identifies that you are my father figure. Okay, right, I'm with you. And it's sort gotcha. of like all the love is coming from Lorgar's side and Corferon is just basically a twat. Right. To, to put it okay. bluntly. Well, that sounds an interesting... That's a different different, um, different read. Yeah, yeah. As I said, it's, it is a little bit uncomfortable at times mm. because, you know, you can tell Gav Forb has done a lot of research into the psychology of the, the, these kind of relationships. Um, sure. And it's a bit, you know, you know. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a, no bad thing, is it? No, no, it's no bad thing. It, it, it you know, it adds to why Lorgar is the way he is. Mm. So yeah, so the third part of the book then sort of changes the direction of the story and focuses on the conquest of Colchess, and it sort of ramps things up a bit. 
So, you know, oh, yeah. you start off slowly and then it sort of really jumps at the end, which is quite cool because um, it's good. It's a really good book. It's very character driven and it's very different to the other books of the main Horus Heresy series. Uh, and, it, you know, as I said, it really gives you a glimpse into what makes up Logar and why he is the way he is. Cool. So, yeah, that's that's that. That's mission accomplished. Because, I mean, that's what those Primark books are supposed to be about, aren't they? That kind of precursor to... And give you some idea of why Potamo is the way he is and why Magnus is the way he is from the Crimson King. Like, um, Oh, sorry, from the Magnus book. And now with um, Logar, it, it kind of... I thought it's a good way of making sense of it all. You know, sometimes the Primarchs seem to take actions that are completely unfathomable to me. But I guess giving them the backstory and giving them the reasons behind it, it makes a little bit more sense. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, yeah, so that's the books that have been out this month. We also had a short come out, The Laurel of Defiance, but I'm not going to talk about that because it, it, we've already we've already um, seen that book. It's in um, it's in War Without End. Right. Okay. So it's sort of a bit of a rehash, them releasing that. Yep. Um, it was also in Gates of Sedi- uh, Sedition's Gates as well. Oh, right, okay, right, one of those. Okay, so okay. it's one of those stories that's been out in a... It's been out in a limited edition format. Now it's been out in a... Um, uh, in a uh, in a main book, and now it's out as a short one, its own separately. Right, okay. So, a bit different. Mm. <laughs> um, bit of a money grab, to be honest. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, then books that are coming up. There is um, Ruin Storm, which is due on the 14th of October. It's the next main series book. Right. Uh, that's the one with the uh, cover of... Uh, it's got um, Lionel Johnson looking like the guy from Divers, Drivers Dining oh, and, yes. and Dives. Uh, and you've got Sanguinius in Leopard Print. Very good. And then Reboot Gorman. <laughs> then we've this got is, um, this yeah. is the is this the Imperial Secondus stuff? Yeah, yeah, I think it's the them yeah. breaking out of uh, of the Ruin Storm and well, at least yeah. Sanguinius because we know the other two yeah. don't get to Terra in time for the for the right. siege. Got you. That's kind of um, useful, being as that's what we're going to be talking about later when we talk about um, uh, Company of Legends. Yeah. Yeah, and then we've got uh, Fulgrim, the Palatine Phoenix, which is the limited edition book. Uh, okay. And that's on the 20th of October. Right. And then at some point in December, we've got Old Earth, which is another, which is by Nick Kime, and that's another um, Salamander's book. Right, okay. I struggle with Salamander's books. Yes, people have said they are difficult. It's the names. They're so different. You sort of, str- I struggle to follow along with them because they're, they're very different names. To, you know, they're very uncommon names right i'm with you uh which is a bit weird my brain just can't latch onto them <laughs> so it finds it hard it's like what, right okay so which character is this again yeah got you okay so okay so we wanted to talk about rules and gaming now yeah yeah so uh let me just uh yeah so this sort of section new a new section that we put in i think um really was to just go through some general gaming things rather than um, the news or whatever. So just some things that have come across the last month and sort of feedback from the um, website and stuff. So the first thing that, that we've been talking about, that we've had a discussion about, uh, is the use of experimental rules, I think, in events, particularly for um, things that Forge will release, but there's no corresponding book for. So obviously a lot of events, and ours are, ours are the same, incidentally, um, 
ban experimental rules because mm-hmm. you know they you know, generally speaking people think oh they're experimental therefore they're utterly crazy um but the thing is if you've got you know a long time between book releases and i'm talking about well, specifically the rules around the the new sicarian patterns mm-hmm. i mean one assumes that the rules them are probably going to be in the next book which is we don't know when it's mm-hmm. book eight so in the meantime does that mean you can't use your the models that you spent good money on um in any events yeah i mean i'd be tempted to say go on you can use them but right because i mean they're you know i mean they're, they're not terrible they're not terribly overpowered i mean we were talking about the omegan uh, tank destroyer there and it's yeah it's I agree. not exactly a killer tank and when it no, comes it's, it's, yeah it's not it's not it's not a world killer is it? No, I what you mean yeah yeah it's not going to change the game and then if you're looking at the um the the two Karens that came out um i don't think either of those are either um either of those are really overpowered i i don't know it, it's sort of you can do each one on a case case by case basis or you can just bank it yeah sure it's fine cuz it's not like we get a huge number of experimental rule stuff come in but i mean if i look at the the only one that i think is sort of yeah everyone's going to want one of these is the arcus yes um i know you've got one i know i've got I one have. yes but you've got more than one yes <laughs> yes i have yes you bought... just can't be helped i'm afraid it just did you buy done. one for your word world eaters yeah of course yeah. You know, because it's such a great tank that every every army should have one. Even though, as we already mentioned, I have about five thousand p- points worth of stuff already. Yeah, I have I have a problem. It's 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 a, it, one day there'll be a clinic for it. I'm sure. Well, I've just bought the one, <laughs> and I'm quite quite. It's more that I like the model. Yeah. Um, although I know you bought it for neutron flux warheads. Because I hate Mechanicum. Yep. So much. Although you know me, I, I'm not necessarily going to take that. <laughs> um, but it's, but yeah, this experiment rules. It's interesting because I've just I've been on the heresy bit of Forge World with all the rule downloads mm-hmm. and looking at the stuff that currently is in experimental mode. Because obviously most stuff now you know, previously has, has got books and got rules. So um, the two that so Cor, Corbax Utterbright and Samus Demon Prince of the Ruinstone. Those are both experimental. But they've got um, rules in book five. Have they? Yes. Oh, that's interesting. So, so I don't know why they're still on the website as experimental rules. How bizarre. How bizarre. But um, obviously we know that the, the new Sicarians are all uh, experimental. Yes. But the Custodes, Orion Assault Drop Shop, doesn't have the big old experimental rules stamp. So does that mean, although there's no corresponding book, that it's perfectly legit in a game of heresy? Well, I, I would assume, yes. believe that's right. No experimental rules, so there's no issues. And the um, Telemon Dreadnought is exactly the same. Is it? Yeah. That's not experimental rules either. The only things that are experimental rules that are st- currently out there are the uh, Sikarans. Got you. Curses. Curses. Well, there you go. Nothing can be done about it. People are just clearly trying to prevent me from using this tank in a... <laughs> as i said i would personally say case by case basis 
for uh, an event I was running personally with just me running it, I would say yeah. case by case basis. Look at look at them. Is there one that is sort of yeah, that's that that's way overpowered. Sure. But looking at them, I mean, even I can't think of one thing where the experimental rules were were too overpowered or where they made massive changes to them between getting them you know You're recent experimental rules i mean the only time i can remember them being a big change was the leviathan because originally okay. that could take some hunter kiss hunter killer missiles right in its experimental rules and then when they released it as a standalone unit in the book you couldn't take the hunter killer missiles anymore Ooh. Be annoyed if you'd, if you'd glued them on. Well, they didn't come in the pack. No, true enough, I suppose. But yeah, well, I, I thought they were the three bits at the top, and I thought the phosphorex launcher bits were the bits in the um, in the inside where you got the jagged pattern there. Yeah. Oh, okay. But then when I looked at the instructions, no, no, the phosphorex launcher oh, is the bit at the top. Oh right, got you. Well, there you go. But so, yeah. yeah, so I think that we'd, we, case by case basis would seem to be the sensible thing. And I suppose the thing is, you're only going to know if they're overpowered if you play them, yeah. really, in probably in some kind of formal setting. You know, with somebody saying, oh, that tank's too powerful or that vehicle's too powerful. So I think for us, I think we'll just do it on case by case basis because, you know, these are cool looking models. It'd be great to see them on the battlefield. And yeah, and I can't see anything that is particularly overpowered. The, the one model I can see that everyone will want to take is the Arcus. I Got see that it. as being a very, very popular choice because it is very, very versatile. It is. It is, definitely. Um, I can't really see anybody going massively overboard for the Punisher or the uh, Omega. No. I think they're kind of... People would, you know, would have to enjoy the, the look of them. I think the rule of call would... You know, you probably get a special dispensation for, for taking them in that regard. But Yeah, if um, you want to take a Punisher, if you want to take an Omega, yes. cool, because they're not... Yeah. Okay. They're not as big a threat, I think, to most most stuff. Mind you, though, a Punisher against the uh, militia yeah. <laughs> would be kind of a blood brawl. But then again, it's short range stuff, so you've got to get up close, and that's going to. Well, the Punisher's know, thirty six inch range. Oh, it's thirty six, not twenty four, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The, the Punisher rotary cannon is heavy 18, 36 inch range, strength five. Yeah, is the AP, AP five or four? Five. It's four. Like it's four. It's like it's, yeah, it's based like a. Slightly less from the Punisher cannon off the old Lehman Russ. Yeah. Okay. It, it's good again. It's going to be good against uh, infantry heavy armies. Yeah, totally. But in terms of versatility, I'd rather take a normal, um, yeah, a, a normal Sakaran battle tank or an Arcus. Agreed. Because Absolutely. I tend not to build my arm. I try to build my armies personally that can take out our Ranger stuff. Yeah. Unlike my word bearers who are just rubbish at everything. <laughs> but at least they're equally rubbish everything. This is true. And they've, they've done all right against me, so... Yeah, they've done all right, yeah. So then, the, what, what else do we have, question-wise? Oh, there, this was one that came from Greg, wasn't it? Yes, it was, yeah. Yeah, proxies for Dreadnought Drop Pods. Yeah, it's a good good, good one, this one. So, yeah, because there was a group, the, the, the Heresy Trading Group, on Facebook, which I'm a part of, and yeah. I think it was Sunday... Four of these drop pods became available. 85 quid each each time. Right. Uh, and these were even built and painted. I mean, one right. was quite damaged. Got um, Still went for 85 quid. Jesus. Because people want them. You know, you can't get them. Oh, uh, yeah. I remember this, because this, this was one of the things about heresy trading, isn't it? It's, the, the ethos of heresy trading is that you, you're not, you shouldn't be selling for a 
massive profit i think is what you know i think that there was a guy on there who got in a little bit of um you know somebody was saying well actually he already posted that he managed to buy it for 30 quid or whatever and then put it straight on heresy trading for 100 quid or whatever so yeah they took it off though they took his post off though and said look leave it it, you know try not to be such a profiteering yes uh bugger and do it and and, and, you know give it a give it a reasonable amount of time before doing that even though 85 quid seems to be the going rate for them what were they new when they came out is that about what they were, they they were about cheap. 70 quid uh, were they okay because i mean they weren't cheap well they weren't like you know, a drop a plastic drop pod, which is it, I don't it, know, 30 quid 85 quid is probably what i imagine they'll come back as got you but you know they're they're, they're uh, obviously the model itself was not great no it was a pain to i know i think it was adam i'd say our plot guy telling tales of woe about trying to put this model together because it involved all sorts of cutting and shunting and was that not the dreadclaw no that was the i think it was the no was it the dreadclaw one of them i thought it might not have been but maybe it was a dreadclaw name yeah i'm thinking it was the dreadclaw because we got him the dreadclaw when we went to warhammer world was that what it was yeah, case, yeah you remember we went to warhammer world and you and me and christian stayed in the room yes 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 and yes. then um who was it that got phil got naked Let's not go there. What, what goes on tour stays on tour. Yeah, and Aaron tried to climb in bed with Harry. That was the most uh, silly and somewhat suicidal thing that young Aaron's ever done. Oh, definitely, definitely. Good. It was a good weekend. Yeah, and he sung IRA songs around uh, Protestant neighbourhoods. Oh, nice. <laughs> Great people that we hang around with. Oh, he's an all right lad. But yeah, so it was sort of, Dan was asking, what would you do about proxies for them? Yeah, and I think the general consensus was that the, you know, just using a normal dreadnought drop pod, yeah, was would be suffice because you know, you just have to be wary of or making sure that you're because there's no way of getting the other ones. Now, I, you know, it, you could argue that well, okay, you can still get the whatever it is. Dread the Dreadclaw, the small Dreadclaw. Yeah, the Dreadclaw can take a, a normal Dreadnought or a Contemptor. Yeah, but it can't take a Leviathan. No, um, in the current rules. And so, let's face it, what do people want the drop pod for? Yeah, so it's like, do we then sort of say actually you can proxy the um, the, the smaller Dreadclaw as a Leviathan delivery mechanism because it's you know it's fairly it's a bit bigger than a normal Dread mm-hmm. drop pod. Its approximate size is similar on the on the um mm-hmm. you know the, the space that it takes up but yeah it's not the same thing whereas a normal drop pod is, is significantly smaller in areas so i think what we've said is that if you take it just a normal drop pod as a proxy or any other drop pod other than the you know the dreadnought drop pod for taking leviathans that um you just have to you know when working out things like cover saves and the like you know assume that the the model is much bigger than it actually is yeah yeah I, I think it's i mean you suggested maybe saying oh well take a dreadclaw and i think my yeah. argument was but then when necessary but then are we forcing people to buy a, a, a very expensive model that exactly they're not necessarily yeah, going to use no you're right personally i've got a dreadclaw available um yes. if i'm not going to use a dreadnought drop pod i will use my dreadclaw because yeah. it's it, it gives roughly the same base area at least it's not quite as tall but no um, I have got a Dreadnought drop pod, which is unbuilt. I'm not there selling it, so don't even <laughs> yes. approach me for it. I'm not selling it. I want it. 
it's it's a bugger to put together, I think. Yeah, Scott um, Hayes, he's put together yes. two of them. Right. Um, and I need to hit him up at some point for some wisdom on it. Because yeah. I think he was suggesting magnets. Oh, right. It is the best way to do it. Got you. But I think he was suggesting taking out the hinges and replacing them with magnets. Oh, yeah, that would make some sense, wouldn't it? Because that's always... All, I mean, it's a horrible... I've never liked... I've put one drop pod together and I found it really difficult. And oh. I'd never do it again. Drop pods themselves are... You know, they're not good to put together because they've got a little bit of the bottom where you yeah. need to cut it away, otherwise they won't close. And it's sort of like, yes. why did you make it ever so slightly too thick? Mm, it, it, definitely. It's a case of this was definitely a, a model designed before CD, uh, before CAD became a big totally. thing. Totally, totally. Um, which, you know, is annoying. So there we go. So basically what we'll do is at the Edge of Empires events that we do, then you can put proxy for Leviathan delivery mechanisms, normal drop pods or dreadclaw drop pods or whatever until there's such time as a model is available from forge world and when you are working out things like cover saves and anything to do with the size of the model just you know make sure you know play the play the, the spirit of the game with your opponent and you know realize that this this model should technically be bigger yeah although i would always say you you drag if you're delivering a contemptor Look at a Dreadclaw as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, not content. I meant Leviathan, but yeah, exactly. If a Leviathan, you're definitely going to want to... You, you definitely have to have the Dreadnought Drop Pod. But for a Contemptor, why not consider it a Dreadclaw? Because they're nice models. I'm told they're a pain to put together. Mm. <laughs> but they can... But they've, they've got... They're just as good for protecting your um, dr- your Contemptor as a uh, Dreadnought Drop Pod. Yeah, I mean, because you don't have to kick them out in the first turn as well, which makes them... And they're assault vehicles, so... Um, you can just drop down and hover around. I mean, fair enough, you're going to get shot because you're in hover mode, but, you know, at least there's a good chance that your um, Dreadnought could potentially assault the next turn. Well, I wouldn't um, even put it in hover mode. I, I keep it in um, I keep it in zooming mode. I don't think you have any choice if you use um, drop pod assault. Oh, you're not. No, I'm pretty sure. Because I've got three of them, you see, and I didn't put them together, but I'm going to use them for that, that, that very thing for my World Eaters oh. to put Contemptor in um, with close combat weapons and you know get get that in and get him to jump out and cause a bit of havoc but as far as I'm aware if you're using the the um, orbital so you know where you have to put half your dreadnoughts in reserve and half of them go on the first turn yes um, if it comes in via that kind of deep strike mechanism mm-hmm. then it then it comes in in hover mode ah ah well there you go see I thought it could go in both but I haven't used mine yet so ah no, I'm pretty sure that's the case because it's kind of that 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 sort of drop pod assault is it deep striking, whereas take just leaving it in reserves and bring it in on turn two in flying mode, you could you could do that as well, I guess. Yeah. If you have to have it in um, drop pod assault mode, so yeah. Um, Depends when you're going to put it in. Yeah, totally. Uh, and so, what what purpose you want it to do? Yeah, I mean, I quite like the idea of just you know dropping a couple in on the first turn with some. Um, close combat dreadnoughts in there because you, you, you probably have to deal with them you wouldn't want them hanging around for long um, and if they get out and assault that turn particularly if you've got a armour heavy thing or a super heavy they're going to cause a bit of damage before you take them out so a bit of sort of a suicide strike a la dreadnought see I was, think, I was thinking I've got a uh, contemptor for my space walls mm-hmm. and I put that with a heavy bolter and a chain fist Right. So the idea being it'll do, it'll sort of drop behind enemy lines and just 
mess up their day a little bit, but not, but not yeah. be too big a point, point blast. Yeah, I mean, I think you could probably use the, you know, there's the kind of like cheapo version of the contempt, you know, the one that they used to sort Quartus, of them together. Yeah, with. yeah, you could use that with just two close combat weapons, you know, like a chain fist, mm -hmm. not chain fist, and the the normal power fist. I mean, I think they're coming at about 130, 140 points. I'll have to have a look yeah, at that. Yeah, they're pretty cheap. So, you know, they're probably you know, pretty useful. And, and people would be wary of them because, you know, if they can, you know, swamp them with a, ta ta a tactical squad or put Terminators against them or something, because otherwise they're going to just munch their way through any artillery or anything you've mm -hmm. got. So, yeah. not a bad tactic. Well, at least I think it's not a bad tactic. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. Okay, so what else we got then? We had... Um a rule question on Fosfex yeah, canister rules. shells. So this, yeah, this is, a, this is one that I've often been confused with, so but maybe people have got a... I don't know what the right or wrong of any of these are, incidentally. I'm not saying that we are the authority on rules or anything oh, like that. Oh, absolutely not. Um, but, you know, just some general things if people have come across this before. So this is... If you've got Fosfex canister shot in your uh, quad mortar batteries, mm -hmm. the rules for the... I think it's uh, Creeping Death. Yeah. So it says, uh, let me just get the rule up while we wait. There we are. Crawling Fire, rather. So after the blast marker for a weapon with this rule is placed, so after a blast marker, right? Mm -hmm. The fire may move the marker up to two inches in any direction as long as this would cover more models than previously. Yes, that's right. Yep. So I've it's multiple barrage. Mm -hmm. okay? So I fire one shot. And let's say that that lands on the middle of the squad. Yeah. Right? Great stuff. So the normal rules for multiple barrage are that you roll the scatter dice, but you don't roll the 2d6. You uh. basically position it on the outside of the, um, the, in the original blast template, unless you roll a hit. Okay? Mm -hmm. So does that mean that when you place the second, third, and fourth blast markers that those two can be repositioned two inches. I would come down on the side of it can be repositioned two inches. Okay, so the rule itself is it's placed... Yeah, so it's when a, after the blast marker. So one is, so you are placing a blast marker, I think, with multiple barrage. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's what you're doing. Because really that means a Phosphex canister shot will never really miss if your first shot is on target. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you much. will constantly be able to move it back two inches to where it started. Yeah, yeah, it's kind it's of the, the, the fluff of the thing, you know, it, it, it's a gas. Yeah, makes sense, I suppose. Okay. But it might be one of those things that other people could have a different point yeah. of view on, you know? I mean, um, I'd love to hear arguments. I personally I think it's you're placing a blast marker when you do a multiple barrage thing. Yep. That's true. Um, I mean, that's, that's, how the, that's how I interpret the rules as well. So, And I've had people, you know, do one and I've kind of done it both ways depending on how I feel but um, yeah be interested what other people do with that particular rule because it's a, it's a weird one one of those kind of grey areas it's not entirely clear as mm. far as I can tell so I'd love to hear so, other people's thoughts on it yeah so. totally so our, my view currently is that you can reposition that second third and fourth glass mark because it's four shots from each yeah um, uh, quad mortar re reposition those two inches back so really phosphorus becomes even more deadly mm -hmm. So we also put some questions out to the our, our three or four listeners, and um, we actually well, got three a or four. You're being generous, aren't you? 
I am okay. We've gone up by one, I think. So we've got a question from Christopher Carr here, which is: Do apocryphies count as kill points in that kind of mission, given that they are they are a form of squad upgrade and can't move out of squads like independent characters can? So what's your take on this one? So this is you buy it's, a set of apocryphies as an elite's choice, I believe. So do they count as kill points if you kill one of them in a squad, or do they count as kill points? If I, see, this is one where I never thought about it until Me neither. until it brought up. Yeah. Because it's Good like normally question. for a kill point, you need to kill everything in that unit. Correct. But obviously this is split up. So I'm just going to pull up the... Um, the entry for it now i've, so. I've got it in front of me actually because i've prepared would you believe it i'm actually prepared so i'll tell you what i do i'll read while you're doing that i'll read out the unit composition rule and see what you make yeah of yeah it. yeah go on so both attachment is a, a an elite's choice um so you can take minute is it one to three sorry my light's pretty bad here yeah one to three legion apocryphies maybe taken as a single elite choice okay so i think mm. that's key for the army, as long as you have sufficient units to attach them to. So they can't be unattached. Yeah? So mm -hmm. basically, they'd have to, yeah, if you took three, you have to have three units where the apocalypse can go into. Um, each apocalypse must be assigned to one of your squads during your deployment and may not be voluntarily leave, may not voluntarily leave the, the game, leave the unit during the game. So basically, once they're in the unit, they stay in the unit. Yeah. Unless the entire unit is destroyed, in which they're kind of free to go. Um, only squads entirely composed of models with infantry type and Legion Astarte special rule eligible to be joined by Apocryphy, and squads equipped with Terminator armor or with uh, the Demon special rule may not be joined by a Legion Apocryphy. So, if I've spent... Let's say I've bought three Apocryphies, right? Mm -hmm. From my one elite's choice. And I distribute them in three tactical squads. Tactical yeah. squad A, B, and C. So tactical squads A and B are wiped out, including the Apocryphies. Tactical squad C loses 50% of its guys, but it's still intact, and the apocryphy is still alive. Mm -hmm. Under those circumstances, I would say that you wouldn't get a kill point for killing the other two apocryphies, because it's one unit, and you have to kill all of the things in that one unit. Yeah. It's an interesting... It is a really, really, really interesting... Because I think that you would only get the kill points for the apocryphies if all three of the apocryphies were actually killed. Yeah, yeah. That but is. That a... mean if you take one, if you do take one, though, I would say that yes. If you took one and you had one squad and that, that he was in that one squad and he died, mm -hmm. you would, that would basically count as a kill point for for the tactical squad and for the apocryphy. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's a it's a quandary though. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think it seems fairly clear to me if you say it's you know you get a kill point for every unit you destroy, and it technically it's a unit. Just one that's spread up. It's, I suppose the same kind of rule would apply to um, a dreadnought talent. Hmm. Because that's a is that a vehicle squadron? Because you know, with vehicle squadrons, do you get a point for each vehicle, or do you get a point for the unit? You know, it's always a. It's I've a always played like it as you get a point for the unit for the, for for each vehicle. You see, I've played it that you get a point for the unit. Because it's ah. each unit. The squadron counts as a unit. It's one of those weird 7th edition ones. So, if people have got a definitive ruling somewhere, love to hear it. But I 
don't think you get a kill point for each tank. So let's say you've got a you know three predators in a in a in a in a, in a squadron effectively. You'd have to kill all three of those to get one kill point. Yeah. And the same may apply with land raider squads as well. And just imagine how depressed you'd be if that was the case. Because you can take multiple land raiders, can't you? Just one heavy support choice. Definitely. It's, a, um, it's an interesting one. I'm going to look at the FAQs for this one. Yeah, I couldn't find it. So, um, yeah, interesting about you know when you have those missions, which most people have some version of blood feud or something in them, in most events that I've been to. Um, do you get the kill points for A, this Apocryphary uh, conundrum, but B, vehicle squadrons as well? Um, I suppose it's slightly different for Blood Feud because you, you usually also pick a unit type, don't you? So you'd say actually all vehicles or all tanks, for example, would give me an additional kill point. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Let's see what it says about scoring units as well while we're here. So, that's that one. Hmm. You know that? I can't find anything um, for kill. The other one that um, John... Um, so I think it's just the only place that it's really relevant, I think, is in the Blood Feud... Um, yeah. Mission. Oh, I saw John's. One. Uh, yeah, and John's one is uh, about whether a transport counts as a scoring unit if it's a dedicated transport for a scoring unit effectively so this would be where you've got a unit of um tactical marines or something and they've got a, got a rhino is the rhino scoring i don't think it is and never has been no but when i have had issues with that because some people have sort of said actually you know i think we ought to you know i, I question you know i've had people who have been like no i think it i think it counts See, um, sure I've rolled was. off. I've rolled off because I can't be bothered with the argument. I agree with you. I don't think if you've bought it as an upgrade for the squad, I don't think that it's a uh, that it's an individual unit. Just having a look because I'm pretty sure that he actually mentions this in the in the Red Book of Doom. So I'm just going to have a quick flick through because um, there's a whole section on scoring units, isn't there? Um, somewhere, if I remember rightly, I'm sure oh, there was. Did I, I see that? Can I search in this? I'm, I'm, I'm looking yeah. to see if I can search in uh, scoring units. Oh, here unit. we are. Scoring units. So this is what it says in the Red Book. So unless specified a particular mission, Battles in the Age of Darkness games, only units taken as troop choices other than their dedicated transports and those specifically noted in their entries as counted are counted as scoring. So it specifically says that um, your rhinos are not scoring. Because they're dedicated transports, so there you go. It's actually cleared up in the rules. So that's uh, page eight of the red book, Age of Darkness scoring units. It's there in lovely Technicolor for you. So that would also apply to um, if you bought a Land Raider for your Terminator squad, and your Terminator squad had the um, is it? I can't remember what the rule is where they get where they become scoring as well. So, yeah. Just a heads up there. You can't have scoring Spartans or anything like that. So there you go. Dedicated transports do not count. Otherwise, you could also use the old, um, what they used to do in 7th edition, which was use um, dreadnoughts, for example. Sorry, not dreadnoughts. Drop pods as scoring units because they were dedicated transports. Mm. So yeah. transports do not count. So there you go, John. I hope that answers your query. 
Yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never used them as, as a scoring unit, but I know some people have been all, yeah, it's got to count as a scoring unit because of blah, 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 blah. Yeah, clearly, tis bollocks, as they say, around these parts. So there you go. That's our official ruling, and we're sticking to it. So we don't need answers for that one, but we do need one about the squadron stuff, and also Phosphex, if people do that any differently. Yeah, so I, think, I think the squadron one, because I can't see anything in the FAQs for 7th edition... Um, I would say mm. that it's probably one of those things that uh, we need to maybe s- someone possibly yeah. has an answer from Forge World already about it. I think this it may be actually in the in the core seventh edition rulebook, and I'll have a look and see if I can find it because okay. there are no vehicle squadrons, but it's whether, like I say, do you get an individual where you have a mission where you score a point for killing a unit. This is an individual tank within a squadron considered a unit, and a, the same would apply to Dreadnought yeah. talents because they're bought as one kind of squadron. I think I don't know if it specifically says whether you can the talents different once they se- separate. But things like you know Vindicator squadrons or Predator squadrons have to stay together in that kind of squadron coherence. Mm-hmm. So there we go. Um, the other thing we normally would like to talk about here is would be sort of tactics and things, and I'll be interested to see what people have done to combat dark angels molecular ammo so this is where the heavy bolters that they use have got that random ap oh yes 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 and a very effective thing that i saw when i went to um greg's event was uh people using the jet bikes for um with dark angels on with heavy bolters with obviously the random ap so 50 percent of the time they're going to be AP3 or better, or less, if you like. Yes. So you've got a squadron of five or six of these things. They've got you know three shots each, probably hitting on two, so they've got a best, better weapon skill. Mm-hmm. They're going to murder anything in power armor, and two thir- one-third of the time, murder anything in Terminator armor as well. Yeah, yeah. They so will. they're really powerful, <laughs> like seriously powerful. Um, and they move fast, and they've, you know, they've got jink saves as well. So, I mean, the jet bikes themselves are a good thing, but adding this... You know, molecular arm, ammo, I don't know if it's an upgrade cost or whether it's just one of those things that's free for Dark Angels. I, I don't know enough about their armor to make a, dis- a choice on that one, but they seem pretty powerful. They would take some stopping, like. Yeah, they so, do. They're, 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 any ideas? <sighs> I haven't come <laughs> across them. I haven't played them yet. Okay. I got a feeling that I will eventually play them. Yes. But they are a. Uh, they are, from what I understand from speaking to other people, they are a tough, tough unit to play against. So I think it'd be interesting to see what happens. Um, you might see some of them at the um, the event we're going to in November. Um, obviously, it depends if you're playing or not. But uh, they were very popular. Dark Angels were very popular at the last minute. Went to, because I think people have twigged that you can get a you know heavy support squad with heavy bolts. It doesn't cost a lot in terms of points, but it can be 50% of the time. Um, you know, chucking out a lot of AP3 or even AP2 or better shots. Mm-hmm. So, um, certainly a very powerful thing. So, I think technically the armor breakthrough would have been able to handle this um, if it wasn't so well played by the opponent that I had. But because the Sakarans obviously deny the jinx save. Yeah. So, you know, three Sakarans against a squad of those you'd hope unless you're my kind of dice one you're going to get a couple of sixes when it comes to the wounding which is going to be rending which is going to deny the jinx save for them um 
that would work. So I think anything that takes the cover save off will be good. And I think the um, the rockety, not the Punisher one, the, I've forgotten what it's called. Arcus. The, new, the Arcus has got some good um, jink-denying abilities as well, I think, for its gun, if I remember right. Let's have a look at the rules in a minute. So that might be quite a useful thing to have. But other than that, I think um, I think it's a struggle. I think they're going to be across the board really quickly, um, shooting as they go, and then they're not they're no slouches in close combat armor either. And I think if you give them a, a Praetor with a, with the jet bike, you know you've got a pretty handy unit there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, answers on a postcard, please. <laughs> to how on earth do we stop Dark Angels? Because I'm kind of drawing a bit of a blank here. Volume of fire, possibly some rapiers quad um, heavy bolters potentially <coughs> phosphex but then they're going to get the jinx save yeah actually they're going to get two plus save anyway because they've got a um, two plus armor because of the jet bike so you know they're a tough old unit there we'll be interested to see if they rebalance them in some way well I suspect when you know with book eight being yeah. Angelus and being concentrating on dark angels and blood angels mm. uh, night lords and demons I suspect that we will get Certain units, like, well, I, I you know, I suspect that the rules for those kind of things will get a bigger, a bit of a rejig. Mm, um, who knows how big a rejig? Maybe mm. they'll make it worse. Maybe they'll make it better. Yes. yes. We just so yeah. Know. If you've had you know any luck against um, molecular ammo, let us know. It'd be interested to see what your comments are. So you can just whack them on the Facebook page. And um, with any of these things, if you've got any uh, ideas or comments about this, we'd love to hear them. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely, because those molecular—I the, the, hear a lot of complaints about the molecular shells—and mm. it would be interesting to know how do I deal with them before I uh, come have up, to. I have to. <laughs> yes, totally. So I think that's pretty much it for um, rules and gaming. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think we have covered it. Cool. So. Next was recent games, so that's all. That's all you. Okay, so moving on to recent games, and I think this is mostly you, Graham. I don't think I've actually played a game this uh, goodness this month. Yeah, so I've, I've, I've been busy with other stuff, mm. sadly. So I'm trying to think. So the I've had a few games um, this month. Uh, one of them was against Richie, which was great fun. So this was. Um, actually around his house, which was very nice of him to invite me around. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so um, down by the by the seaside, so that was lovely. Is that Whitley um, Bay? It is. Very nice it is too. Really nice area. You know, um, uh, my wife has a, well, my wife has this awesome story of when she went to Rhodes on holiday and the waiter asked, where were they from? And she said, well, I'm, a fr- I'm from Newcastle. And the waiter wasn't sure where it was. And she was sort of describing, you know, in the northeast. And uh, apparently then goes, is it near Whitley Bay? <laughs> that bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> Completely random. Very random. Anyway, Whitley Bay. Very nice. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I went around his house. And he's got his own little setup there, which was great. And, and this was the first time that I'd actually played against Empress Children. So I'd never played against him before. Um, mm. And it was a it was a cracking fun game. This this was a lot of laughs. Uh, really, it really was good fun. Um, you know, proper spirit of the game stuff. Really good. I had a really excellent game. 
game against Richie. He was a great, a great play, person to play against. Um, we had a good chat about heresy and heresy in general. Um, so I took my Iron Warriors with with, with old Keir Valen. Yep. Uh, I had Leviathan. I had some. I think I had uh, missile launcher, uh, Iron Havocs. But you know, generally I, I took a, a fairly friendly list because you don't want to go to somebody's house and have a horrible list. And he had a very friendly list as well, I thought. So, but he did have a knight, and I had a leviathan, so that was a good good matchup. Yeah. And he also had, um, I, th- I want to say Erebus. I think it was Erebus. Eidolon. That's who it was. Eidolon. Yeah. Eidolon. Erebus is a oh. Erebus is a, 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 a word bearer, isn't he? Word bearer. Yeah. Eidolon, who is an utter twat in all of the books that I've listened to. Um, so I really wanted to kill him. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way. Um, so he had uh, some really interesting units. He had a Volkite uh, Colvern squad, you know, the old favourite. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, my favourite. No, he didn't. He had, these, he had the sort of sonic weapon guys. Ah, c- uh, Cacophony. Yeah, they're bloody lethal. I, I won't be under, underestimating them again. Um, so yeah, they were pretty dangerous if I remember rightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had a couple of those. Um, so I had my Leviathan. Uh, didn't have a lot of tanks if I remember rightly. A few tanks, but not many. Um, but the best bit, there was a couple of really highlighted points. This was uh, the first one was he had a, a sort of close combat knight, um, which I knew was going to be a bother. So I set my um, Leviathan after him. Um, and managed to get yeah. him in close combat. Actually, I think I set some uh, Terminators on him first. We managed to um, get out of the transport. I think the transport. Anyway, they had a knock with him, chain fisted him a few times, but he stomped them all to death uh, rather depressingly. But that did give my Leviathan, who was kind of coming up behind, uh, a chance to dig in, um, which he did, which was really cool. So my Leviathan managed to destroy. Uh, the night, which was a very cool thing, really cinematic moment. Yeah. Um, the Leviathan died shortly afterwards, to be fair. Uh, and then the best bit, though, was uh, he had this massive uh, assault squad, actually, you know, jetpack assault squad, mm-hmm. which you don't see very many. Of. No. Um, I've got one, but don't really use it very often. Yeah. So they came fleeing across the board uh, with Eidolon at their head. And so Keir Valen, because I wanted Eidolon dead, uh, went to meet him in combat. Um, they get some special rules when they charge, you know, higher initiative and stuff like that. So I managed to wither the first round of attacks from Eidolon. And then second round, it was, at this point, um, Kiervalon and Eidolon were in a challenge. So it was uh, going at each other, hammer and tongs, and some bizarre dice rolls. But I thought, right, I've got him. Now I've got him. I think I had four attacks against him, yeah. and I knew that he didn't have Eternal Warrior. So all I needed to do was to roll one six, because I had a Paragon Blade. Um, to actually, you know, instant kill Eidolon. Yep. And it just it just did not happen. Ooh. I think I missed everything. And then Eidolon actually killed me, much to my disgrace for Kiev Allen. He's a tough one. He is, but I was so close to killing him and I would have been so happy. But unfortunately, with Kiev Allen mercilessly cut down by Eidolon, the, um, that was it. Game over for the Iron Warriors there to slink off back to their loyalist base. Uh, and think of another way to take on this fantastically cool army. So, um, but it, like I said, all through, there was like loads of moments like that, really cool cinematic thing. So it was a great game, really enjoyed it. So that was good. And then um, our good friend Christian has, has returned to the fold like the, the prodigal son that he is. 
and uh, has given up on the Mechanicum because obviously he can take my insults no longer. Um, I'm so sorry about that, Christian. Um, and I think he was. I think he was sick of the army. Yeah, you know what he's like. He 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 flips yeah. from army to army to army. Uh, you know, he, he never really stays still with he one for so. he's, he's looking for something. I think he may have found it, hopefully, in his new one, which is the Alpha Legion. So he's been collecting some Alpha Legion stuff, and you know, so he had his first couple of games um, against his Alpha Legion. So the first game was against my Iron Warriors. I took, I think, I took the same list that I took against um, uh, Richie. So quite a sort of, I tried to make a more friendly list. You know. Yeah. Um, really good game. Really good fun. Uh, lots of different things with the. Um, that the Alpha Legion are particularly good at. The Seeker Squads, for example, really useful. Oh, um, I, 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 I like the sound of getting some Seeker Squads. Yeah, the, the sort of variable ammo type is really, really useful. Um, I think that they've got, like, Headhunter or something, so they can do some other sort of cool things as well. So lots of interesting rules with the Alpha Legion, Saboteur and whatnot. So that was really good fun. So the first game, I think Iron Warriors, um, I think I might have just about won that one. And then I've started. Then I used my first time. I used the entirety of my World Eaters army against the Alpha Legion. So oh, that's yes, I remember this. So I basically took my army. So I got it off the the painting desk, not painted obviously completely, um, and I started to use that in uh, in anger now. So that's really good fun because we're both using two armies that we're not really familiar with. So that makes it a little bit fairer, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we go, we're trying to find sort of new rules and stuff like that. So. Um, using lots of different things. I'm using an assault army, which is very different to what, how I normally play. Yeah. Uh, uh, Christian's using an army that relies very heavily on things like infiltrating and scouting. Um, so it's you know it's a good matchup and really good games, and it's really nice to have to be able to play them again because we have a good laugh and um, there's a really funny moment last time we played where I rolled some dice and I could tell that he wanted to kind of smirk. <laughs> he yeah. didn't really want to smirk, but he wanted to smirk. He, and I was just ripping the 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 the, the Michael out of him um, for uh, for him sort of sitting there trying not to laugh at how bad my dice rolls were. So, but that was great because we can have a really good crack together. So it was again excellent fun. So I've been really lucky this month. I've had some really good, mainly you know just really good fun games that have been very um, sort of thematic and sort of narrative-driven um, affairs that have also been you know, quite a good learning experience because I'm using a brand-new army now, which is always a nice thing because I don't, you know, I can't rely on knowing everything about the army like I can do with the Iron Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, because you're, so that's been you're it, very familiar with your Iron Warriors. I've realised I've been playing them for a long time now because, I mean, probably three years, I think. So it might be longer really than that. long time. I'm not sure because I'm trying to think. Well, I definitely had them at the... Um, first uh, weekender so that would be coming up for two years anyway and I think before then you know I had troops and stuff not just lots of tanks so I must have had them for, for you know, at least that amount of time so it's gone quick like yeah yeah it has but yeah the challenge of fighting playing with a new army and actually you know saying right I'm going to take this army now and try and see what I can do with this is, is a lot of fun That's so yeah fun good month for games for me yeah well as i said i haven't managed to get any games in this month i will at some point get some in i think um don't know when i've got a i've got a game with christian again tomorrow at battle bunker 
Ah, cool. So I'm going there after work tomorrow. So, um, yeah, again, Alpha Legion versus Word Bearers. I might try and take a few different things this time, just because I've got them. Yeah. So, yeah, all good. All good. All good. Excellent. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I will have to set up a game with yeah. you or Christian at some point soon. If anybody does want a game, just, um, and they're in the Northeast, obviously, because travels, you know, we can travel so far. Um, just just put something on the Facebook page with play anybody anywhere as long as it's within driving distance of where we live and for Chris and for Graham not the Mechanicum yeah I, I, I would even make that exception because you know I've played somebody I played um, I played Mike at Newcastle Warlords with his Mechanicum so I have played other Mechanicum armies since to be fair wow. so Mike has a lovely Mechanicum army it does it's beautiful it's a thing of beauty yeah it really is incredible um, he's got that really cool conversion that he's done for one of the transports, I think it is. Yeah, the, 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 so the Land Raider thing. That's right, yeah, he's used the really old, like, Rogue Trader, Trader era Land Raider. Yes, he has. Uh, it just looks fantastic. It's brilliant. Yeah, beautifully painted as well. Yeah, love that army. Yeah, definitely. Love so anyway, I have army. played that as well, but not this month. So. Uh, oh, yeah. signal went a bit oh, funny good. There. Okay, so we're, I guess we're moving on oh, to... Yeah, no, it, it, it's come through now, fine. I guess we're moving on to events um, yeah. that, that, that are coming up and what we're going to talk about. Um, I think we've got a um, one sooner than I think. I'm just trying to look at it. Uh, no, they... I'm sure they mentioned they had an event on Darlington Dogs of War. I think it's a heresy one, though, is it? I'm sure they said they had a heresy oh. one in November. I'm just trying to find it. Of course, they haven't... They don't put, they don't put their stuff on there. Um, it's easy to okay. find. But I'm pretty sure that uh, yeah, Conrad I said that... I remember seeing something. Yeah. I think it's the same weekend that Blood and Glory's on, if I remember rightly. It's, or it's a, around that time, so it's sufficient... Lack of time between the... That I won't be able to go to both. They're not very good at... Uh, yeah, they normally have a pinned post with their next stuff on, so... Uh, I'm just trying to find... Because I, I know he's mentioned... He's mentioned something about it in the last couple of days. And it sort of like got me... Ooh! But I can't find it. Mm. Okay. Um, it's not immediately... There is, there is something going on at Darlington Dodds of War at some point in the next two months let's go for that yeah heresy it is heresy he, he, he specifically mentioned that it was heresy um yes so that will go so i tell you what while, while i'm looking scrolling through that i will let graham bring you guys up to date on company of legends uh, our, our heresy weekend that, that they were holding in december okay um first no pressure. and then we'll then we'll go back to blood and glory um okay. because I have been away, so I'm I, I'm really well behind with the, the messages between you and Adam and Phil. Okay, uh, I'm really well behind in that. I need to catch up on that probably tomorrow. No worries. So, Company of Legends. Um, so we put the tickets out, and they sold out quicker than Glastonbury, um, which was great uh, from our point of view. You know, it was a huge uh, level of interest, and we're getting lots of really cool people um, coming from all over to this event so huge pressure because obviously last year's was was very, very successful and we were very well received so we need to try and improve it for this year we've taken a look at the 
feedback that we got from last year's thing, particularly around how the missions were and how there was a disconnect between what was going on in the narrative and what was going on on the table. So we're trying to basically do a lot of stuff to to, to pull that back together. So we've had a we've set a group of people up um, to do various things, and we got together a couple of Sundays ago for a, for a lunch in a pub, which was very nice, um, and we've basically worked out what we're going to do how we're going to do it so one of the things that we've we're concentrating on or recently has been how do we create a branching narrative event so rather than what normally happens is we would select five missions from various books and say that's how that the order of events and that's what's going to happen and you know mission one mission two mission three uh what we want to try and do is to create a set of uh missions based on the results of the entire day um, to put an element of balancing in. So this is actually really complicated stuff. And uh, we've, we've had a look at it, and I think Mark, Mark's come up with um, a blueprint for it that we then worked through. Um, and now we've got a point where we think we can uh, have a scenario where that would cater from all the scenarios, depending on all the different results that you can get from all the different games. So, for example... Uh, if you have game one and its traitors win that, then it would set the, the narrative down one path. If in the next game, the loyalist won, that would set that narrative back on another path. And then the third game, the loyalist won again, and you're on a different narrative path. So what we're going to do is we're going to try and run that. I've, I've written some cons some rather cool simulators for it. Um, Michael, like I said, has mapped out where everything needs to go in these missions. Um, and we've put some sort of key points around all the bits of narrative which you need to write. So I think we've got 14 key points in the variables that we have, um, coupled with um, there'll be 14 narrative sort of junctions at that point as well. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to do something a bit different. We're trying to tell a story with the event rather than... Um, imposing the story upon the event we want to try and make the results on the tables reflect the narrative of the entire day so we're going to be having these sort of key point narratives we're going to be writing stuff during the day um, about the sort of the whole thing um, so it should be really interesting and to do that we're, we're having a play test it so what we've done is uh, we're going to have a play test in December if anybody's in the northeast at Battle Bunker um, yep. and where we're just going to not going to have any narrative it's not going to be a, a, an event day or anything like that it's purely going to be a day's gaming and we're going to try and run through some of these scenarios to make sure that they they actually work um and that you know when people are actually playing them that it makes sense and that you know we haven't overlooked anything because we want to get this absolutely right so we've got that to sort of add to that we've also added a aspect of strategy around where people would choose where they attack next so we want to we've, we've, you've got a couple of markable a couple of sets of planetary empires yeah well so we're going to use something around that which will have, oh sorry one second we're going to use that which is going to have um an impact on on some of the the roles for things like reserves or who has first turn and stuff like that so there's a couple of things going on there's going to be the narrative stuff there's going to be a strategic phase where people you know, your teams themselves can choose what they're going to attack and defend. We've got all of that balanced out and worked out. So quite a lot of work. We've actually done a lot of work in this one. So it, we're hoping that that whole package will um, really 
uh, make improve upon what we did last year in that gaming front. I think is is the key thing here. So, uh, to try and create something a bit different as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a lot of people with a lot of, who have invested a lot of time in this, and you know, people are coming from all over the country to the events. So we feel that we want to improve and we want to make the best event that we can. And we, we quite like this idea of a branching narrative. You know, harking back to the sort of choose your own adventure books of my childhood, anyway. You know, mm-hmm. where you know the story was told by the actions that you took rather than a preordained story. So well, that's the plan. That is the plan. Whether it works or not, and whether we'll be able to realise that ambition, we, we still have to wait. I apologise for the noise. My printer keeps going off. Um, I turned it off, but it keeps making noises. Oh, could be, uh, could be that mechanicum rise of the machines thing. Uh, yeah, could be ghost printer. <laughs> ghost printer. Actually, it was a. Uh, there was a there was a game once, incidentally, to completely go off tangent, uh, called Dungeon Keeper, and that used to if you had a fax attached back in the nineties, it would try and send a fax out while you're playing the game, saying we're going to get you. It tried it once, it scared the bejesus out of me. Anyway, um, so that's where we are with that. We've also worked out things like how we're going to do the catering this year, mm-hmm. um, what, what the menu is going to look like. We've been working with the with the girls to to sort that out and we don't give them too much work and we've tried to look at some of the areas where we needed to improve on in that area to make sure that it wasn't you know loads of work pushed upon them so we've got some plans for that as well haven't we yeah, yeah so, i think we've got some got some plans in, in all, place yeah we've, we've we've done quite a lot so it's going to be quite exciting i mean because we sold out so quickly we you know we were thinking about whether we could make the event bigger or you know how do we cater for more people and we were talking about getting marquees and all this kind of craziness but in the end i think we just decided we're just going to run another event in september yes so special rather than, yeah so rather than than running just the one event we're going to run two this year um and yeah. what we've done is for the people that couldn't get tickets for the first one we've given them first um first dibs at a place on the second one so um two events you lucky people two weekenders next year one in march and one in september so hopefully <laughs> hopefully um the first one in march will be a success and people will want to come to the september one so um it yeah. should be interesting like i said it's been it's been the i mean we used to i was surprised we saw the tickets out as quickly as we did like, very surprised August. very very surprised um and then it just they just went crazy so um yeah, so, and a lot of people unfortunately missed out. So this is why we put the second one on, so that everybody gets a fair chance. I think there's some people that we've had given kind of regularly. Yeah, like the North Shields lads, and yeah, I think we've given just about everybody who who didn't who missed out on a ticket for the first time, and specified I really want a ticket. I think we've managed to, uh, I think we've managed to keep everybody happy. A, a feat that is pretty difficult i think we still have possibly some tickets for september i don't know yeah yeah i still, I still have some tickets for september and i've got to do a little bit of real reorganizing we've had a couple of people drop out for um march okay so i'm going to see if a couple of people want to move into march from yep. september got you um so we'll see how it goes from there if but, not we'll have to raffle one off or something <laughs> so um, um well, only if we end up with an odd number. Yeah. But if we end up so, with an odd number in uh, March, we'll just put you in. Thank, no, I can't do it again. I need to. There's so many complications about this gaming thing that 
it, it, it's a full-time job, I think. Oh, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I guess, <laughs> you, yeah, then, you, can do, true. you can do this one, I'll do September if ah. it comes to that. Well, you are playing in September. Oh, yeah, shit. We'll have to swap. Because, I mean, I played in the last one and you didn't, so it seems only fair that you okay. should get first dibs. So. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, so... We're trying to do something ambitious, I think, is what we're trying to do. But we're conscious of the fact that we don't want to spoil a, a, a successful event by trying to make it too complicated. Mm-hmm. So, on the one hand, we're trying to do something different, but on the other hand, we're trying to make sure that it's it's um, it's sensible and that it works and that it's not going to be some sort of crazy, confused mess that we're going to get everything working how we want it to work. So, that's why we're putting the um, playtest event in in December. And we'll be playtesting some stuff um, just through simulations and stuff to make sure it all works out and what have you. So, We've also Adam, our plot head or head of plot, as I'm going to call him. Um, he's written the opening kind of uh, scenario, not scenario, the opening kind of narrative for the event. Yep, which, I, which I've yet to read. So it's really good. It's excellent, actually. Um, and it's it's. I can give you a bit of a hint. It is set in that Imperius Condus area, which is great because that's a different area. I think. Mm-hmm. So he's chosen that as his kind of backdrop. Um, for what we're going to do um, and like I say rather than when we've done previously uh, for the previous events that we've done where it's been fighting across a sector we wanted to make this a bit more um, a, a bit sort of closer so we've just done one planet and you're fighting for one planet yep. so it's a bit more um, real and there's a, there's a bit more interaction with it because you know sectors are big and there's different planets and we just want to with the um, Galactic Empires thing we can sort of you can see visually you know the effect that you're having in your team on that planet so yeah which reminds me I, I need to start getting that together to paint yeah yeah that's gonna be fun so that's that shouldn't that's, be too bad actually it'll be mostly dry brushing actually that's a very good point it is just dry brushing isn't it so but yeah lots of cool stuff we're looking at prizes and stuff like that as well sponsorship as well so um you know we're trying quite a lot of things this year to try and improve things um, and I think we've, like I say, we've listened to all the feedback we got from last year, which was mainly good, but there was areas of improvement. So and that's what and there'll done. be better coffee. There will be better coffee, although the people that complained about the coffee won't be there, so they're missing out. Yeah, there'll be better <laughs> coffee, co- coffee anyway. True enough. Yeah. True so enough. what else have we got coming up? So we so we touched upon Company of Legends. We've done yeah. special ops, which we'll mention more about later on in the year. Well, uh, yeah. next year because we're not really concentrating on that right now. Although it will be pretty much a rehash of Company of Legends. So story might be different. Story will be different, same, but it will be the same sort of same, same sort of yeah. thing we're doing. The, the whole build, you choose your own adventure style, yeah, style book. Anyway, so what else yep. we got? Oh, Blood and Glory. Yes, so this is just around the corner, really. So the army list has to be in this weekend. Um, so this is uh, at the what's it called? Dice Bad Dice Convention thing in Derby. Yep, but so it's a uh, big, big old thing by the sounds of things. Yeah, yeah. The uh, what, what, uh, what? Hammer community team are going. Um, yeah, so it's going to be really cool. That so there's lots of you know, big event, different areas. I think there's um, there's 40k and there's um, Age of Sigma there. There's some conferences. Sort of, there's some sort of speakers and stuff, isn't there as well? I know. I think so. Yeah, there's a whole raft of other things going. Yeah, going on. So it's a, and that's included in our ticket deposit, by the way. Um, so that's going to be awesome So, and what's going to be particularly awesome is that my brother's coming so me, Michael and my brother are staying in a hotel um, in the vicinity yep 
Uh, you're not going to be playing though, are you? But you're going to help. You, you've. I volunteered to be a gopher. Greg, which is Greg's gopher. So Greg down from Imperial Truth uh, is running the event. Um, yeah, yeah. I really so enjoyed the event that he ran recently um, down at Element Games. Um, it's sort of more to learn off him. You know, how how are you doing? How are you running your events um, and helping out? Yeah, and he does run a great event. So um, to try to sort of learn from him, like I say, is, is definitely valuable. Um, always really well organized. Always everything's, you know, in, there's no confusion there. Everybody knows what they're doing. It's really cool. So it's going to be interesting how we get on with that one. But I'm going to be playing this one. So I'm going to take in uh, my Iron Warriors, but I'm going to take a Loyalist Iron Warriors. So Kev Allen, again, my go-to guy for Loyalist Iron Warriors. Uh, I've got... I've, and I've kind of upped, I've got to be honest with you, I've upped my army a little bit for this one compared to the one I took for um, the one, uh, the Imperial Truth one that they did uh, recently because uh, my dice rolls suck, obviously, as we've discussed at some length. And um, I'm just got just sick of losing by rolling ones and twos. So I've pretty much put as many things in that can re-roll ones as is humanly possible for a man to have. So I'll give you a, a brief rundown of what I'm going to have in my army because it is pretty ferocious, if I'm honest with you. Mm-hmm. But I said that about my armor breakthrough. So you did? This, this is going to be Kiev Allen, obviously. So he's got a lot of really cool special abilities, two of which are, are useful for me. One is that a unit within my deployment zone can re-roll ones. Yay! Yep. Um, so he picks a unit at the beginning of the game and they re-roll ones if they're in them in my deployment zone and as you know from my play style for this army is to sit at the back and shoot um the other one is that a fortification um or building so buildings would get plus one to their armor or a fortification like a defense line you can re-roll saves of one see there's a theme here mm-hmm. saves of one can be re-rolled or um cover saves of one can be re-rolled behind the defense line so that's another re-roll one so I've got a defense line and I've got an ally dump, which allows me to re-roll ones. Yep, I love the old ammo dump. So I've got that. I've got uh, master signals um, for two reasons. One, for augury scanners, um, and the other one is for his orbital bomb, which is quite useful and has got me out of a few scrapes in the past. And thirdly, his ability to boost the ballistic skill of a unit by plus one. So. Ah. He's going to go in, and then I've got a Siege Breaker, a Cataphract Armor, a Volkite Charger, and a Thunder Hammer uh, with a singular Phosphex Bomb. Um, they will all, those three will all go with my Tyrant Siege Terminator Squad, which I've got five of them with the, obviously they're the Terminators with the missile launchers. Um, probably, they, they will probably either go behind the defense line to get the plus one or the reroll of ones, or they'll go into a, a ruin or something, and I'll get the um, Kia Valen to boost them to do the reroll ones and get the mm-hmm. Master Signals to change their ballistic skill to hitting on twos rather than hitting on threes and rerolling yeah. ones because I roll so many ones. I use that with Volkite Culverins. Yes. <laughs> yes. Which is excellent. So that's the plan. So those are the, the, the things. So then I've got. Um, three troops, troop choices, um, just uh, normal tactical marines with extra close combat weapons, melter bomb on the sergeant, and in a rhino with a um, dozer blade. So I've got three of them, and then I've got three phosphex dealing um, quad um, mortars. Mm-hmm. They're just horrible, 
and evil. And then I've got my nothing in the fast attack slot, not unsurprisingly, being Iron Warriors. And then I've got my four HQ choices because I'm taking the um, uh, Hammer of Olympia right of war. So I've got a singular Medusa. Okay. Mm-hmm. I've got a 10-man Iron Havoc squad. Seven of them are with Las Cannons, three of them with missile launchers. And their Blisters Heal 2, so it'll be hitting on twos, re-rolling ones, because I roll so many ones. If I give them either the Ammo Dump or Key of Alan ability. And then five Tyrant Siege Terminators, as previously mentioned, and a singular um, Derrideo with the ah, Las Cannons. So... You know, for the intercepting, if I need to, any flyers, but also the strength 10. Um, that last cannon array strength 10 is pretty good against Spartans. Yes, yes, it is. So, you know, can also does, if you get a penetrating hit, you get an extra, I think on a four plus, you do another a penetrating hit as well. So, pretty good against Spartans if I can hit it on the side outside of flare shield. So, that is my army with the, uh, like I said, with the. Um, Defence line and ammo dump. So quite a quite a big it's a big old shooty army basically. Um with a, I think I think I've also got an Augury scanner and now I know I've got an Augury scanner on the Iron Havoc Sergeant as well. So just stop, you know, dreadnought drop pods for example, which are pretty nasty when they throw Leviathans out. So that's what I'm taking. It's a it's a bit higher power than the last lost to take, but a lot of the lists I felt were the last game I played for um, were quite powerful as well. So I don't think it'll be too bad. I think it's overpowered. It's it's certainly competitive. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I'll be taking uh, for you know my my purposes of the spare army, um, yes. the uh, uh, breaches, just yep. because I'll have finished hopefully by then. When yep. is it? It's the beginning, first week of November, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I'm away this weekend. I'm going to lovely sunny Hull. Nice. Holland back. Well, it's a city of culture, isn't it? It is. It is. No, we, the, the 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 girls want to go to the deep, which is the um mm. the, the the thing there. And there's an exhibition on road signs or something. I don't know. We've got a nice co- <laughs> we've got we've got a cottage. It's got a hot tub. I'll be happy yes, with that. You said, yeah. um, okay, so and then I got two weekend two two weeks. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, three weeks actually, nearly. Okay, right, yeah. Be I've got two land raiders to do and a prey tour. That's Ten minutes. Yeah. That's... Ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes. I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I've got two Land Rover Proteuses, and I love the model. Yeah, they're a cracking model. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a lovely model to build. I thought I had lost a bit for it, and I was going to have to oh, yeah. phone up Forge World, but turned out I didn't. And cool. yeah, the, the, the 2011 Boarding Marine model, I, I just had it lying for ages, and I was like, what on earth am I going to do with it? And, yes. Uh, now you've got something to do with it. Yeah, because he's a beautiful model. He is. Very different to any um, to any of the other other stuff. I mean, the only cool. the only downside to him was the shoulder pads are moulded on. Oh, so right, I wasn't okay. able to give him a... Because I've got a spare shoulder pad from one of the web-exclusive Centurion models. Right. Uh, I was going to put that on on his one of the shoulder pads and, and an Ultramarine, you know, um, you know uh, Legion symbol on the other. Yeah. But then when I got him out, nope. Shoulder pads are molded on. Oh, oh well, but still beautiful model. I, I'm looking forward to um, putting putting that on a putting that on the table. Totally, I'm looking forward to seeing that. So that's cool. Yeah, because breaches so ro- breaches rock. Yeah, I think there is 
sorry, there are still tickets for this available, just just so that you know. Yeah, yeah, blood and glory. Sure. Ticket, tickets so, yeah, are still so, available. Go to it. It's going to be immense. Um, I'm, I'm hoping it becomes a regular thing, you know, the UK's answer to Adepticon. Got you. Because that's the way that's the way it's headed. Nice. Uh, Very is, excited about this. I'm. There was another event in February which I was really trying to to, to push to get Horus Heresy in, but sadly couldn't manage it. And that's BonesCon, oh, right. um, which is also trying to do the whole Blood and Glory multiple system thing, but right. with more of an emphasis on that stuff that's non GW. Okay, right. It's run yeah. by the same guys who used to do SmogCon, which was the which is the the War Machine. Right. Con, but uh, yeah. Um, no, we weren't able to. I wasn't able to sort out heresy simply mostly because I can't get enough terrain sorted out in Birmingham. <laughs> that is a, that's a challenge. It was a challenge, and there's no one local who seemed to be up for it. So, got you. Oh. Um, it's a shame they were up for it, yeah. but couldn't arrange it. Maybe next time. Totally. But yeah, no BonesCon definitely not BonesCon. Blood and Blood and Glory. It's going to be yeah. it's going to be incredible. I mean, the guys at Bad Dice Podcast are incredible. I mean, they're mostly known for their uh, Age of Sigma stuff, right? But uh, yeah, no, it's good. It's all good. Yeah, okay. I I'm, I'm lots of stuff going on. Yeah. Okay. So what else? What other events are coming up? Uh, the Black Library Weekender. Oh right. Uh, obviously not a gaming event. Uh, no. But that's a um, was he fiction event? Uh, Seventy five pound a ticket for the weekend at the Belfry Hotel in Nottingham. More for your right. fluff fiends. Um, I would go, but I can't afford a ticket and I can't afford oh, the hotel. No. <laughs> uh, but they've yep. got Dan Abner, David Geimer, Dave, uh, David Annadale, Aaron Dembski Bowden, and Guy Haley as the um, as the lead leader um, guests. Nice. And in terms of books, they've got released available there in advance. Uh, for Heresy, you've got Old Earth available in advance, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah, which is which is the um, which is is uh, let's see what the description says for it. I think that's the only thing. Uh, Reborn in the fires of Nocturne, Vulcan prepares for his final journey with a choice between vengeance and duty. What will the Primarch's destiny be? Well, we already know he survives. Yeah. Because he comes. Spoiler. Yeah, oh, no. No, I'm not going to spoil another set of books. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think there's a lot of emphasis this weekend, that weekend, on. Well, actually, I was going to say a lot of emphasis on something, but they they haven't. They've got a nice variety of stuff going on um, for once. You know, there's no no particular. They've got quite a few paperback of uh, omnibuses coming out, uh, new audio dramas. James Swallow one on Corsairs. That looks quite cool. All right. Um, yeah, a new Gav Thorpe one with um, Harlequins. Um, that's just the new stuff. Pixies. Yeah, but they've got a Fabius Bile new Fabius Bile book coming out. All right. Okay. Yeah, so they've got quite uh, quite a bit going on, but I think there's a lot of emphasis on the fact that uh, Warlord, sorry, Warmaster, will be available for the first time, um, which has been years in the waiting. Oh, what's that then? It's Gaunt's Ghost, the oh, latest right. Gaunt's Ghost yes, novel, which um, yeah. seemed to mysteriously come about just after Laurie Golding left. Bizarre. Yeah, bizarre. No, not, must be a coincidence. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, actually, did you, um, I, did, I haven't told you yet, but he was talking about, uh, this is non-heresy, so I'm going to go on a bit of a, a, a tangent here. 
yes. bit of a segue. But he was talking about how he came to write the new Eisenhorn novel. Oh, right. Uh, it was quite fascinating because it was a panel with him and Michael Con- Conley, um, who, I don't know if you know Judge Dredd at all. Yeah. Yeah, but he, 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 he's the guy that wrote the best Judge Dredd ever. Really? Uh, yeah, that's Michael big, Conley. That's a big ask. I mean, surely not the best judge. I mean, you're talking oh, about... definitely the best Dread, dread serious stuff. Serious contenders for best Dread. I mean... Oh, he's definitely the best Dread writer. Really? Definitely. In my, well, in my opinion. Anyway, he's the best Dread John writer. John Wagner, Cursed Earth. I mean, that's a great Dread story. I mean, bear in mind, I started reading that in the 70s, so just, just to put it out there, because I'm yeah, ancient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> but I think he's, he's the guy that wrote The Irish Judge. Okay, I must. Admit, I haven't read 2018 since probably the mid 90s at the latest. <laughs> there's some good stuff in there. I really love Kingdom. Uh, anyway, no, anyway, he was talking about he he. There's a bunch of short stories and audio dramas that they wanted to put together in, into an omnibus, and they just asked Dan to uh, write a short story between you know to link them all together. Uh-huh. And he said, "Yes, that's no problem." How many words do you want? And he said, you know, no, not too many, not too many. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but I think it was something like uh, fifteen thousand. Right. Or, or something like that. And he got to 20,000 and he sort of phoned them mm. up and he says, well, um, actually, this is going to be more of a novella length because I'm still quite quite a way through it. And then he got to 50-odd thousand words <laughs> and he was like, um, how long can I be exactly with this? And they said, yep, just as long as you want. But, you know, uh, obviously, you know, a novella is going to be interesting. So, okay, well, it might be a little bit longer than a normal novella. And then when he got to 85,000 words, he sort of phoned them up and he said, uh, actually, this is um, going to be a full novel. And they were like, oh, yeah, that's brilliant. We love Eisenhorn. It's great. Oh, but it's also going to be the first in a new trilogy. Wow. <laughs> and he was sort of like, I only approached it as a, as a short story. Yeah. But it's turned into a new trilogy and it was a complete accident. I like the Eisenhorn stories. They're excellent. Yeah. So a so new, new book out next year. Cool. Um, which is going to be awesome. Mm. Okay, so uh, okay, so that's 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 that little segue about books, yeah, and, and stories, and my weekend. Nice one. Uh, uh, not hanging out with Dan Abnett because I wasn't. <laughs> I was uh, I was hanging out with people that were hanging out with him. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't happen every weekend. So I think you're perfectly justified in you know explaining how cool that was. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Although his wife is is lovely. I could not pass comment. Don't know. She's 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 a very very she's she's a good author in herself, and she's yeah. uh, and you know she's a lovely person, but gotcha. I mean, and so's Dan as well. Uh, you know, anyway. Okay, so back hobnobbing with the authors of the world. I try sometimes. Well, I I told you I once I once um, I once met George R R Martin. No. No, I was at uh, Lundcon um, free. Uh, what was that? Two thousand fifteen, or was it two thousand fourteen? was a world right. con. Um, okay. And sort of I met George R. R. Martin and I, you know, went up to, to do the meet and greet and the questions. And I just said, you know, I was six, I was, I was 16 when I was reading Game of Thrones. And when you killed Eddard Stark, it was the night before my English exam. I should have been revising, but I was reading the book instead. I couldn't put it down. <laughs> and when you killed him, you know, you, you really hurt a part of me. You know, I, I was so angry of you that I wanted to kill your dog just so you could feel the pain I felt. And he just he just looked at me, and he just said, "You know, that's probably one of the most benign threats I've ever had," <laughs> which makes you worry about what kind of threats he does get. Well, yeah, Jesus, they threatened to kill his dog. That's harsh, Michael. That's harsh. I was joking. 
I know, but God. I did feel hurt though. Um, <laughs> and then when uh, and then, uh, but yeah, Dan was saying he got loads of threats like that. Really? Yeah, he says he gets he gets he gets threats. You know, when he kills off a character or when he do, yeah. does some, something di- uh, different. God, it sounds like the bloody plot from Misery. Yeah, but he was uh, you know he was saying he did something with Aquaman. And he, he got an email saying, "I've just burned every comic, every issue of Aquaman you've ever done because you, 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 I can't remember what it was, but you've done something really, really bad." When's the next issue coming out? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've done the Black Library weekender. Uh, I'm George R. R. Martin. I've got to say, mate, that is pretty impressive. Like, um, he does. He does, he, he goes to every Worldcon, so lots of people get okay. to meet him. I know, but you know, um, still cool. Yes, and hopefully he'll go to the Dublin Worldcon in two years' yes. time, and I'll meet him again then, hopefully. Oh, yeah. And this time I will actually get his autograph. Do that. And a photo. It didn't happen. Okay. I will, <laughs> I will get a selfie next time. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Okay, so what do we have? Then the last thing is the Warhammer 40k open day that we've got okay. done, um, which is on the end of November, 25th and 26th of November. Right. I'm going on the 26th. Now, it is 40k, but they do usually cover quite a bit of um, heresy as well. Okay, I was going to say, this is a this is a segue. This is a stretch too far. Yeah, the, I, I went last year and they had the previews of um, the Book 7 oh, uh, okay. uh, and quite a few heresy units. Forge World turn up and show some stuff off. All right. Fair play. Um, so, hence why I mentioned it. Okay. It's um, allowed. Yeah. But I'm, I'm going <laughs> off on the Sunday just to have a look. All right, cool. That'd be good. Because um, it'd be good. Because it's always good to go to Warhammer World. And they usually have some heresy stuff available early. True enough. So I've, never been to an, I've never been to an open day, I don't think. Or anything like that, anyway. Maybe you'll have to get to one some, at some point. Well, you can come with us if you want. When is it? Uh, tw- we're going on the 26th of November. I shall take it under consideration yeah. with the management. 12.50 a ticket. Cool. Okay. Uh, it's all right though. You get you get painting lessons with Duncan. You can't polish a turd, my friend. So regardless <laughs> of who's teaching me, it's not going to help. Yeah. Okay. And I've just gotten word about from from um, I I asked on the Darlington Dogs of War Facebook page, is there a heresy event? And uh, apparently it's the twelfth of November. And there we go. I um, kind of no or around. No details beyond that. Right. Um, okay. Harry's scar saying, oh, I should bring me Abmech out, but they're in storage. Okay. Dark Artisan, for those of you yeah. who don't know his name. Uh, but he's got a lovely Abmech army. He has, it's really nice. Cybernetica, but not, not overly not overly killy. No, no, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very nicely painted as well. Um, mm. But I'm trying to encourage him to bring that out. Got you. Yes, yeah, so 12th of November, so it's the weekend after Blood and Glory, so might yeah. not get a pass well, for that. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to be able to go to that. I will try and get a pass for it. Go on then. Good luck. I One of us try. has to go. It's going to have to be you, I'm afraid. <laughs> well, my wife's usually pretty easy, good at giving me passes. True enough. Well, I, she works from That's home, true. and I'm at home all day, so I think she just gets sick of me yep. in the week. That's quite possibly the truth. Yeah. Okay, so uh, are we... Um, I think that's everything. I think we've pretty much talked for three hours, so... I think hours? we're done. Two hours, Sorry? two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Well, time flies when yeah. you're having fun. So yeah. yes, that I think concludes concludes this month's uh, podcast. So, so please feel free to feedback to any of the questions. 
options that we have. Yeah, leave or, reviews uh, on uh, leave reviews on iTunes. It'll be good. Yeah, um, yeah and like questions say, to discuss anything particularly, just whack it on there, and we'll give you the benefit of our accumulated wisdom. Um, and I think I might email Fordworld about that. Um, the one that we, we, we were questioning the apothecaries. Okay. I think I will drop them an email about that one because that is an interesting question um, and one that I'd never thought of before. There you go. I think my answer is correct, but we shall see. Yeah, I, I kind of err on the side of you've got to destroy the unit, so you've got yes. to destroy all the apothecaries, but because they're spread around different units, it, it makes it a bit more difficult. Yep. So is it an almost guaranteed, you know, you're not going to get this kill point every single time. Yes, unless you kill all three units. So, yeah, that would make sense. Anyway, we shall see. Yeah, we'll get an answer from Forge World. Um, Hopefully. Well, an answer. Obviously, yeah. it's not necessarily the answer because, you know, sometimes yeah. they change their mind. <laughs> an answer, maybe. Thank you for your question. We'll pass on to the team at some point. Well, that's what happens but when it... you put it on Facebook. Yes, so at least it's an answer of some sort. But I think I will drop them a, a proper email because that okay. usually goes to the rules team, so... Gotcha. Okay, so is there anything else you, you no, want to say? I'm, or I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I think I'm going to have a. I think I'm going to go, uh, go to bed. Actually, <laughs> I totally am. I'm knackered. It's late now. Um, but yeah, this episode will go out on Saturday. Cool. Um, don't think I'll have time to add in any. If there's a release on Friday, I won't have time to to add it in because I'll be away. Yes, we can always do that next month. So no worries. Yeah, we'll cover it next month. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, okay, so it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Good night.